everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby and if you're brand new to this show, the show is all about a little well-known podcast called Magic the Gathering. On today's episode, we brought on not one, but two people again for an awesome interview. I brought on Daquan and Brian from the magic podcast color of mtg or color of magic and brought them on and you know this is going to be a first for this um show here we talked about some hard issues now as you know um by the time this episode comes out um i don't know what the landscape's going to be like it's actually coming out on my daughter's birthday uh june 12th so happy birthday zoe and um i just I needed to have a conversation like this. I mean, I'd already planned on bringing these two on the show. Um, I'd been, I, I've been wanting to bring them on for a while now. And it just so happened that by the time I finally reached out to them and wanted to bring them on the show, you know, these protests happened in America. I'm um, over George Floyd and the, the murder of George Floyd. And it's been, um, we, we talked about some hard truths on this, this week's episode and you know if some people don't like it i'm sorry it stuff like this had to be said and we had to talk about it it's it's too big too hard to ignore especially with what's going on in the united states right now so if you don't like this episode i'm sorry you feel free to skip it but it, it we had to we had to discuss it and there was some hard stuff we talked about in there that some people may not like and you know i'm too bad um, but anyways, uh, so before we get on with the interview, um, Magic Wazubi can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Magic Wazubi, on Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zuby. And you can email me with any questions you may have at mtgzuby at gmail.com. And we have two quick little ads to get out of the way here, and we will get on with our interview with Daquan and Brian. Well, hey there, Zoe. Why the long face there, chum? I just want to order some magic cards, but the shipping was too expensive. Too expensive? Well, did you know if you go to LegitMTG.com, you can order any magic cards, and anything over $2 or more has free shipping. Wow, free shipping at LegitMTG.com. That's amazing. You heard that right, Zoe. Free shipping at LegitMTG.com with any order over $2 or more. Be sure to visit today and get the best deal on Magic Singles and Magic Sealed product available. Wow, that's amazing! And that is how you beat the latest standard meta with Abzan. Ugh, it feels like there's no magic content out there for someone like me. Someone who doesn't want to be competitive. Someone who is... Who is... Anormie? Yeah, exactly! Anormie! Well, have I got the show for you, the all-new Magic for Normie show! Hi, I'm Pixie. And I'm Zuby. Together, we host the all-new Magic, Magic for, for Normies. Normies! It is the Magic the Gathering show for all your Normie needs. We don't care what deck got into the top eight or what deck is winning, we care about having fun playing magic. That's right, Pixie. You can watch us on Pixie's Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash pixiekittenplays and catch the VOD on our YouTube channel, Pixie Kitten Plays. If audio is your thing, you can find episodes on the Magic Wazubi RSS feed. Doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. Magic for normies. 
Good. All right, I'm recording here. So, hey, everybody, Zuby here, and I've got Daquan and Brian from the Color of Magic podcast uh, coming at me with tonight. And uh, how are you two doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I'm good. It's been a whirlwind couple of days for me, but you're uh, doing excellent. <laughs> yeah, otherwise I'm doing awesome. It, it's been a whirlwind week, man. It's been crazy out there. Um, it's I, I do have to ask. Um, how is it going in your local areas? Because as most people know, there's protests and riots going on throughout the U.S. and um, especially after the murder of George Floyd. So um, I, I'm in Florida. I'm in Tampa. Tampa was definitely crazy on Saturday night. Uh, some looting rioting went on. Um, how is it going over in your areas right now? Uh, here, Seattle's actually pretty rough. Seattle proper is pretty rough. All the er areas around it have had some little protests that have been for the most part, pretty docile, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Though they have had some looters kind of come in late in the process or late in the day that have caused some problems. But for the most part, if you're outside of the, the heart of the city, it's been mostly okay. That's good to hear. What about yeah, you, Brian? We're, we're in the suburbs, but uh, apparently they're expecting something because we just found out they closed our Walmart at 5 p.m. So, you know, it's serious if Walmart's closing. Oh, dang. Dang. And um, I, I also got to ask, how's the uh, pandemic going in your areas, too? Uh, I know, like, Washington was definitely hit hard early on during it. And um, I know Texas has been pretty locked down. Florida, pfft people in Florida acted like nothing was happening at all. It, yeah. it, well, for, for like two weeks, people took it seriously. And then, you know, Florida man starts popping up and starts acting like nothing's happening again. Well, I can tell you something that's really interesting. Uh, something I actually read recently. Well, one for starters, this area with the university of Washington had actually in the past done a lot of like flu studies and viral studies and whatever. So the administrations in the area were all better prepared and better educated, which has helped out a lot. So we were on lockdown real quick. Yeah. Uh, what's funny, though, is the reason they did it was because before they had more information about COVID, they were of the assumption that it might have to do with like some type of hereditary lines to make it easier to contract. So they actually thought, well, this is going to be awful if people start coming to visit their older relatives in these homes and they take go home and take it and then all their family's going to get it or whatever turned out that wasn't the case at all <laughs> but because we locked everything down we actually saved people getting sick anyway oh, that's good that's good is yeah. it does it seem to be easing up a little bit now or uh i think i mean we did hit a point where it was very low i mean when you consider that we were the first state in the country to actually have a COVID issue and we weren't even ranked in like, I don't know, the top 15 anymore as far as like total uh, contractions of the disease. We're actually doing pretty well. Uh, oh, that's good. But we have had some people that have started to reach the, oh, wait, we're going to be in phase two. Great. I can just run around without my mask on anymore or whatever. You know, there's those people. So, <laughs> yeah. But I will say the majority of the people here um, are doing a good job trying to really... I guess, structure their social activities, which is good. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of people that said, yeah, I'm probably just not going to organize anything that has more than six to eight people, even if it's just over at my house for a board game. You know, multiple people are talk sharing information about how much exposure they've had because of either their job or, you know, some other thing they're doing. And I think that's making everybody feel better in the area. Yeah. 
No, it's um, I've got a, a buddy over in Washington, uh, John Dunning. Uh, he used to do the Ten Street Hooligans podcast. I used to do it with him, and he works at a grocery store. I can't remember which one, um, or the name of it. It's not common here in Florida, but um, it, he told me like early on it was crazy, people going insane, um, and but things he said things are starting to die down a little bit at least and i mean that's good to hear oh what about over in texas well uh we're the like i said we're we're back open so i guess we'll find <laughs> out in uh, a, a, a week or so exactly uh whether we're headed for another wave or whether uh we've gotten through it as of right now i guess we're doing okay yeah especially after memorial day weekend um i know here in florida like the beaches were insane i mean T- typically it's the weekend i like to go to the beach and all that but nope not this not this past weekend or the weekend before with that um so i brought you on here because i want to talk about um your guys podcast um color of magic it's been around has it been a year yet or no or not, not we're at 34 quite. episodes yeah so i right i knew it was in the 30s like seven months i think seven months we've been okay. doing them just about weekly i think we've only missed one week right okay yeah that's right all right, so what made you all want to start that podcast? Oh man, actually, it was—I don't—I can't even remember if there was a particular catalyst or not. I think it was—I was just hitting a point where I just was ready to try a new project. Mm-hmm. But I—and I'd done podcasting before, actually. One of the things—I think we mentioned this on the show—but I actually was part of the first Magic podcast 15 years ago. So I thought that was pretty fun at the time. And technology was infinitely worse than it is now. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, you know what? This would probably be easier to do this second go round. But I didn't want to do something that everybody else was already doing. Right. Because there's already good stuff. Like if you want to, you know, if you're a limited player, limited resources, great mm-hmm. podcast. Right. Like if you're a competitive tournament player, Arena Deckless is a great podcast. Right. So didn't want to do a lot of that stuff everybody else was already doing i mean and there's tons of others like brainstorm brewery if you're into like finance stuff or whatever and i was like what isn't really being done right now and i really thought about it and said well you know we don't really have any that have people of color that are host regularly and we don't have anybody really tackling any social issues around gaming on any of the well at least in the magic sphere any yeah. of the popular podcasts so then i was just like okay who I was like, I need somebody as a co-host because I mean, as much as people tell me they like listening to me, that's only going to last so long. <laughs> so I started thinking about like, who do I know who would actually be? And it turns out I was like, wait, Brian's speaks in front of people. He's been a comedian. He's been a reporter. Like this is right up his alley. So I just sent a message like, hey, dude, I have this idea. Like, how much are you prepared to get yelled at? <laughs> and again, as I said, I'm used to that. I've been yelled at that for years now. It's kind of like the trilogy. We had he had a lot of ideas. We didn't have the technology to do them back then. Now the technology exists. We can go in there and remaster everything. Nice, nice. But yeah, that was that was really kind of the catalyst for the whole thing. You know, and I said, okay, cool. We talked about it, and we had I don't know that first conversation. We probably talked for about two hours Easily. of just. What are the things we could cover? You know, how much hate do we expect to get? You know, we know we're going to make people uncomfortable. You know, what type of guests do we want to have on the show? Like, we wanted to have a full plan and kind of a roadmap before we went down the road because we knew the content was going to be so different. And we also know that there's 
there's a ceiling to the number of people that are willing to listen to that type of content as well. So it wasn't like this thing we're getting into that we're going to get this and we're going to get popular and make all this money. It's like, mm, you know, we are ceiling realistically. And right now we're between like 1,500 and 2,000 downloads an episode. Um, now on the lower side of that, because people are listening to fewer podcasts while we're at home. Go figure. Yep. <laughs> uh, but realistically, our ceiling, even if everything goes great, is probably only about 5,000 downloads an episode. And we know that. And that's okay. I mean, that's still pretty decent for, I mean, when you come to think of it as magic, though. I mean, when you, when you think just magic in general is going to always have that kind of ceiling to begin with. But yeah, that to me, that's still good. I mean, shit, I'm going on four years and I'm lucky to crack 2000 an episode. And it's, you know, for being brand new, that's pretty good. It's, well, the funny thing is we have a lot of listeners that aren't real heavy magic players. Some are former Magic players. We have some that are just gamers. Some that are in the kind of like social workspace or they're just trying to expand the profile of less visible people in gaming. So mm -hmm. they're looking for other things to kind of network with. So I've had a lot of people just send messages of just like, man, I just found this because a friend recommended it to me and this is great, you know. And one person picked up Magic because they heard the podcast and were oh, awesome. like, oh, well, the fact that people are at least trying to make these efforts in the game, you know, make me feel more like I belong. So I'm in. And I was like, OK, cool. Yeah, that works, too. And it's funny how Daquan always says, well, you know, our, our reach probably, will, you know, it's maybe only 2000 by top out of 5000. There aren't 5000 people in the comedy clubs. This is still the biggest audience that I've ever yeah. gotten to talk to all at one time. But yeah, well, even, with mean, the, even with the newspaper, <laughs> like, OK, let's say. If 50,000 people read it, nobody reads every section. Some people only read the opinion page. Some people only read sports. Some people only read, you know, the, the crank calls. <laughs> but let's be honest. When I say 5,000, like, that's like the four-year plan, you know, yeah. like, upper yeah. end of what we can probably read. <clears throat> no, and that's still good. I mean, you guys are still pretty fairly new. Uh, you guys are coming up on a year, and... Um, it's it's good it's good stuff i've listened to a bunch of the episodes and you do have a really good chemistry going on and um it's starting a new podcast that's always tough and i, I can remember listening to some of your first early episodes and they sounded a little um rough in the beginning but you oh, guys they definitely were yeah oh <laughs> uh, yeah i mean you, you go back listen to magic zuby episode one it's completely different compared to now um but no you guys have especially the last episode I listened to um, was the one with Tappy Toe Claws in it and you guys sound like a whole new podcast when you compare it to the early ones um, so it's been good it's good stuff so when you guys were saying that you were afraid or that you knew you were going to get hate have you experienced any of that? Oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think we talked about it on the show what two weeks ago maybe three weeks ago talking about the Reddit issue you know where <laughs> we posted stuff on Reddit matter of fact this this is how I knew, right? Because we did an episode that was about the Hunter Burt Memorial Open. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a big event that happens in the Dallas area every year. They raise money, and it always goes to a charity that supports suicide prevention and awareness. So great cause, right? We had one of the operators on to talk about the event. We talked about its origin. You know, we shared phone numbers for people. Here's resources. That's all the episode was. We didn't say anything about any people of color, no trans people, no women, no, no. We were literally just talking about the cause of, of suicide prevention. Yeah. I watched that thread on Reddit 
get upvoted, then downvoted, upvoted, then downvoted, upvoted, downvoted. And I'm like, well, you're not even listening to this if you're downvoting it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things. So, like, yeah, it definitely happens. Or, God forbid, maybe they are and they're still seriously downvoting suicide awareness. I mean, that's what frightens me. Well, yeah, they're just awful humans. Yeah. (laughs) So, have you got... But there are awful humans out there, so... I mean, besides the whole Reddit thing, has there been actual any, like, letters or anything sent to you guys or DMs? Uh, I think I got one letter, one message uh, today, or actually yesterday, I guess, in the middle of the ridiculous viral tweet I had, which that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. There was somebody, because I, I put out basically the preview of just like, hey, if y'all want an episode to share with your friends or gaming people about why some of the stuff is important in gaming, check out this week's episode. It's going to be a banger, right? And literally, I had some people just like, why? Like, I'm like, what do you mean, why? Like, you know, like why I, I'm because my first thought is like the fact that you're asking why is like why are you even in my messages <laughs> like but oh yeah so gosh. it happens but it's it's definitely lesser than the praise we've gotten by significant margin I mean oh, we've good. had soldiers that have sent letters you know that have been overseas we've had individual store owners that have written us stuff which has been cool so yeah, we've gotten stuff from just a few different people. And it's not like a lot. I mean, we probably get the praise letters like, I don't know, once a month, once every five weeks, something like that. And we maybe have had two or three total angry messages. So it's all right. Well, that's not bad. I mean, could be worse. But no, it, it's good to hear that praise that you guys are, you know, affecting people, you know. And um, you were saying you got people never even touched Magic before and gotten them to play. And, you know, that speaks volumes. That says a lot. Um, as far as, um, you know, you brought up a good point where, you know, I want to actually ask you, uh, both of you, actually. It's you, I, I see all the time that um, people are saying, I see it a lot in more of the D&D community where they want to raise uh, people of colors, voices, um, black people, trans people, all of them, to showcase their work. Um, why is that kind of stuff important? I'll let you go first, Brian. I think uh, just uh, we, we talked about before we did this, you know, just how few people we ran into early on that had the same hobby and understood even, you know, on a just a basic level what we were talking about when we say Magic the Gathering and then also feedback we got you know from family and friends that are just like well you know black people don't do that what are you doing why don't you play basketball or something like a normal black person you know it's just so we really wanted to just kind of I guess kind of you know find find other people that are passionate about it because now we thanks to social media we know how many of to some extent how many of us are out there and just all the great things that people are doing. I mean, some of the guests we've had have just been incredible and people that are doing great things in terms of just cosplay, in terms of outreach, people that are you know winning tournaments. It's just a whole wide spectrum of things that are happening out there. And we want, just want to make sure that people that want to know about it get to know about it. Yeah, I would say, you know, there is there's two components to it. The first, unfortunately, like a lot of things that have any type of like racial component or whatever in the country, they always start out some level on on some systemic level, you know, so even with magic or D&D, a lot of it is just because, you know, kind of like Brian says, 
a lot of that started at like high schools, college groups, whatever. And it was just a bunch of like 20 something white dudes that played. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, and that's not even casting disparaging any disparaging remarks against white people. It's just like that's just what happened when it happened. The rest of the time, you know, black people are involved doing other things. But then it's like, OK, well, why can't we try this out? Why don't we pick that up? But then what you get when you talk to a lot of people is they're like, well, I kind of want to play this other thing because it doesn't look like I fit in with this other group. And, you know, and I don't think that's even necessarily just because of the white people involved. I think it's just the visual representation, right? If you never see anybody that looks like you or nobody ever talking about things you relate to, you kind of start to go, well, is this something I really want to be involved in? You know, and really on the grand scheme of things, we should all want more people involved because that means Wizards of the Coast makes more money and they make more magic and we get more events and we get more stuff on Arena or whatever. So it's really in all of our interest to to spread that around for all of us. But really at some point, and, and it, it feels weird saying this, you know, but at some point somebody has to be the leader, you know, in a way. Like somebody's got to go first and we just decided to stick our neck out there and say, okay, cool. Because I've said before, we are not trying to be the voice of the voiceless or whatever or yeah or you know we're we're not in a monolith where we all think the same and we're we're you know portraying that message it's really just we are giving our own personal perspectives how we see things and that's one of the big reasons we talked about wanting to have guests on because you know just because i'm black doesn't mean that some other black person is gonna have the exact same experiences and they can talk about stuff from a different perspective and it's also important, I think, for people to see that there are black people that are in charge or pushing other projects and helping them get visibility on it. Because one of the things we talk a lot about in the game industry is that a lot of times when people go look for content creators or whatever to help promote their charities or whatever their projects are, they don't often include people of color. So you have a lot of a large part of the gaming community that you're just not even reaching that could be engaging with your product. You know, there's other times where, which we ended up eventually getting a sponsorship deal with, with Cardsphere, you know, after they were on the show, but Cardsphere is two thirds minority owned, you know, and nobody knows that. And just having those people to say, hey, look, no, you can support people of color and there's people of color doing awesome things in the industry. You just don't know it. And we've had some people specifically say like, it's awesome you had this person on, it's cool you invited this type of person. I didn't know who this was. I didn't know they had this product, you know. So, and if anything, that's kind of been the hardest part for this most recent round of guests, as we have a lot of people that want to be on the show, but some of them I've kind of said, okay, are do you have anything that you're involved with, any groups you're supporting, anything to promote? And a bunch of them are just like, well, no, but I think what you're doing is important. And, you know, I've been a gamer for 10 years that's dealt with these issues. I'd like to be on. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. But we have to have a very specific show where some of those people fit, unfortunately. And I do think there's something to gain by having people that can, I don't know if I want to say people with a platform, but maybe people just have more reach, that if we can put them out there, they can subsequently reach more people and they can draw more people into the magic circle or whatever. And I think all that plays into it. So there's a lot of angles kind of happening all at once with what we're doing. No, that's good. You get that's really awesome to hear. That's um, I'm glad to hear, you know. And it's um, spreading awareness. That's always something really good. The um, 
the fact that you bring up a good point, the representation also, um, the closest thing I even really understand with that is I've got two daughters. So while it's not, I know it's not exactly the same, but I, I get it from that point of view, at least just wanting to have gender, make sure be represented. Um, and that it, it's good to know that it, you guys, I feel like you guys are doing some good work out there. Um, it's, we need more of that kind of stuff. And I, I get it what you mean by wanting to have a platform out there too, because it's, yeah, you want it, to, it's sort of like a battle, right? You want to make sure everybody's stories are heard, but at the same oh, time, yeah. you want to make sure you're getting the message as loud as you can out there. But you know, it's also funny, you know, when we talk about representation, to, to kind of give an example of how and why that matters, if you take little Dana Fisher, you know, who's now crushing or was crushing Magic Fest Grand Prix <laughs> when we <Yeah>. had them. <laughs> Just her getting the exposure she is and people seeing that a young girl is playing Magic, like there have been other kids that come up to her at Grand Prix. You know, know there have been crazy. people that talk to her dad and it's like, oh man, I saw your kid, I saw the story, like I started teaching my kids how to play. You know, so even something that small, it's not even about a particular demographic just like the more people you can include the more people you can get exposure to like that's some other part of the community that we're just not reaching by not telling that person's story no that's great that's great to hear um what what do you guys have set in the future for your podcast i mean like that you guys are barely a year old yet it's sort of really going well right now what do you guys have in store at least that you can spoil <laughs> I want to get some money so I can buy a really fancy soundboard and have all the sounds. No, um, because <laughs> we do play around with those on our show from time to time. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> truthfully, I'm really now reaching out to seeing kind of like as we get a little more exposure, can we get bigger guests on the show? You know, will people make time for us? Do people want to support it in different ways? You know, because like any project, when you start out, you kind of still have to prove yourself. You know, yeah. because people don't want to attach themselves to a project that's going to be dead in four months or whatever. Or, you know, that you're just not that good. I mean, like, let's be real. There was a chance we could have done it and we flub it and nobody cares. And that would have been it. So I think now that we've reached that point, it's expanding the network and saying, OK, who else can we talk to? You know, can we bring in even people that are only fringe connected to magic so we can show people that there's these issues also in, I don't know, Hearthstone gaming or League of Legends or whatever it is, right? That these are bigger issues other than even what's just going on in your local store and with Magic players. And really just continuing to like tell that as we go along. Hey, uh, reach out to the D&D community because they're very vocal about that kind of stuff and they do a good job trying to showcase a lot of that as well. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Um, do either of you play D&D or anything? as well as magic i mean obviously magic <laughs> funny as it is uh i did run several D D things for a while partly because i ran a store partly because i worked for wizards for a while and then now i taught or really explained things my wife learned a lot from just watching uh one of the D shows i can't remember which ones but i went through gave her my books whatever my wife now runs a D D game that's all oh, women. nice oh wow that's awesome <laughs> so they do that once a week I have, yeah, I do have some D&D &D in my life. I have not, and I want to, and just really uh, haven't haven't been able to, to pull aside the time yet with the various... And then, of course, uh, you know, quarantine happened. 
dude, don't you have three kids? You have a D and D party in your there, house. There you go. I've got both my kids in D and D. It's um, I, I I've tried getting both my both my daughters know how to play magic, but they really like playing D and D way more. They love the role playing of it. So yeah, you got three kids. There you go. <laughs> I, I tried a little role play uh, a couple of years ago. Of course, maybe their attention spans are a little bit longer now. But that, and that was Marvel role playing. So I figured, yeah, superheroes. Because, you know, I, I knew D&D was probably going to be a long shot. But I figured, hey, they love all the Avengers movies. You know, they love the cartoons and the video games. So we tried Marvel role play, and that went south real fast. So no, so you <laughs> wrong. You got to sell it to them like Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of them has ever sat all the way through a Lord of the Rings movie. So How old are they? Uh, 13, 12, and 9. Oh, that's like some of the perfect ages to start uh, role-playing now. It's they're... Those are long movies, though. Oh, they yeah. are. Oh, yeah. I think uh, they were 10, probably, when, when <laughs> the first one started. <laughs> oh, man. No, but that's, um, that's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, man. Um, sorry, lost my train of thought here. So let's talk about what's been happening um, the past week or so. Um, yeah. Where are you guys, some of your thoughts on this? Um, man, it, it, it's tough, you know, because I, what part of the issues that I've been dealing with, just because I was helping people navigate a lot of things on social media, uh, mm-hmm. I knew some people that were... I, for lack of a better term right now, boots on the ground, you know, doing stuff. And, you know, I was relaying like messages and, hey, this is where stuff is and be careful and, you know, kind of helping people stay safe. And it's tough because there's a lot of people that just like don't understand the cause first off, you know, and I get it because if you're just disconnected from it and you never see it, like it's a hard thing, you know, and it makes it easier for those people to work against the cause when you have the people kind of getting out of line, wanting to destroy things, wanting to loot things, you know, and and it just adds to it. Now, that being said, I did this morning even see a, a video where people were basically kneeling, you know, and there was a good probably 20 yards between them, them and the police that were there. And he's just like telling him like, hey, you know, I just want to see the best in people. Neither of us want this, blah, blah, whatever. And they walk over and just pull the dude out of line. Wow. You know, and oh wow, that doesn't help. Like, that's the thing where it's like, hey, why does that person get punished? And even this morning, I think they had the brother of Floyd was on there. Uh, he went to their memorial and he even said, you know, he was there with like his preacher and his lawyer and whatever. And he said, look, I don't even want you tearing places up. Like, that's not going to do any good. But at the same time, we're willing to give them peace if they give us justice. Right? Like, the other four officers, why are they not being arrested? Like, not only did they stand there and watch this person die, they kept other people from actively preventing it. Yeah. And one of the stories is that the EMTs got there and were like, dude, you, you got to check this guy's vitals or whatever. And he got told no. Oh, the EMT. Now, the, EM, the EMT got told no. That's what I was told. I haven't verified okay. that yet. But if it got if it's gotten to that level, that's crazy, you know. Oh wow. But but I get it. I mean, it's one of those things that kind of goes on all the time, you know. And it does flow over to gaming in some ways, not to that level where people are being violent, but a lot of that negativity, you know. And we've talked about it a few times on the show where 
you kind of hear the snide side comment or whatever that's racially charged. And it's just unnecessary, you know, because I I think one of the things, too, I, this came up on a friend's Facebook thing just yesterday. He was saying, you know, he feels racist because he automatically sees somebody's skin color and then he starts trying to help out or make assumptions based on their race or whatever. And I had to explain to him, it's like, none of this is about seeing somebody's skin color. Matter of fact, most people of color would prefer you see their skin color and acknowledge their history or their culture or whatever. The problem becomes when that person gets treated differently or less than or doesn't get the same opportunities or whatever because of their skin color. Like, and I told him, as long as you're treating people normal and equal, that's all most of the people want. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll work for things just as hard as the next person will. Anybody who knows me knows that. <laughs> like, but when I tell people the stories that, you know, I genuinely was not rented a property because I was part of an interracial couple. Wow. You know, I've wow. had people, I've been charged, matter of fact, I was part of a class action lawsuit where I was charged more for a loan from a bank because I was black. Oh, shit. <laughs> you know, like, well, well it's blacks and Hispanics in this particular case. So yeah. I don't want to single it out. But it's still a thing that happened. You know, like, there's a lot of these points in my life where those things happen. You know, and I said, that's the problem. I said, that's when it's an issue. Somebody look at me and going like, oh, you're black, blah, blah, blah. Like, you've probably dealt with this. Or maybe you know more about this thing than I do or whatever. That's fine. You know, even if it's a wrong assumption, I'm like, cool, I'll get over it, whatever. But when you tell me, like, I have a harder time getting a job because I'm black. Like, and I, and there's actually studies on that, by the way. Oh, that, yeah. And then one of the things we brought up is, like, have you ever wondered why so many people you know that are of non-white cultures have very generic white-sounding names they go by until you get to know them and then you find out their given name? And a large part of that is because it makes it easier on paperwork. And it was amazing how many people didn't know that. Wow. That and, and I've done it myself where I've used a family nickname that people have I put down because it sounds kind of white sounding. I put it down on paperwork and I've tested it and even put down. And this was even when I wasn't even looking for a job heavily. I put down a worse resume with the other name purposely omitted important stuff or whatever. And the other name got more callbacks. Unbelievable. Well, I say unbelievable, but I absolutely believe it. So it's and, totally and I've seen other tests where they've done the same thing. You know, and I said those are the things people are protesting. Yeah. You know, it's not about just having more of a thing. It's like, no, I just want an equal chance to have the thing. <laughs> and the same thing when we do our show and we're talking about gaming. It's just like, cool, let's give some of these other people the same amount of exposure. You know, some of these people are still winning tournaments. They're running game stores. They're awesome cosplayers they're doing all these things but they're also not getting the same amount of appreciation and then some of the people we point out people are like oh it's awesome you had them on the show i didn't know who they were or whatever you know now people are following them and sharing their stuff on social oh it's awesome uh, brian any any words or i just to see this week where literally we're pr- protesting you know the murder of unarmed black people and there are murders of unarmed black people during the protests. It's mind-boggling. Yeah, d- didn't someone die yesterday or somebody, something? Uh, somebody yeah. today, I think, I saw come oh, across my did. timeline. Oh, wow. And, and I won't tell you. I'm sure, 
I'm sure you saw the case in Atlanta where the the cops are pulling college students out of their car and tasing them, and you're thinking, okay, yeah, that was so, crazy. I, I it's saw so ingrained for I, some of these officers that they can't stop doing it for even you know a, a week or two with the country on fire, basically. I, well, I, I saw a crazy one too. I shared it on on Facebook or on Twitter where there was a black woman who was genuinely kneeling, had her hands up. Officer came by and yanked her off the ground. Yeah, and I another black police officer, a woman, had to come over and get in his face. It was I like give him the business, you know. And I'm like, even when you have a black coworker standing there, you know, still so like, dude, come on. <laughs> like, I, I saw the one where the um, they had a black guy on the ground, and the officer was trying to give him a stick. And as soon as he got the stick in his hand, they just started beating him down. I'm just like, and if people, oh, I hadn't even seen that one. Oh god. Oh, that'll get you riled up. That'll. Oh my God, it's insanity. And speaking of riled up, I love that the NFL had the nerve to put out their generic. Oh, I know. I know. The pro, like, come on, Goodell. Wait, wait what they say? They, they oh, put they out, to put out generic, a support of you yeah. know, you know, supporting the protesters and you know, nonviolent. <laughs> Hell up! Goodell. After what they did to Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, yeah. Think I'm like of all things. But yeah, I will say this: the way this even carries over to gaming, though, when we talk about just being treated equally, you know, I and I think I talked about this on like episode three or four, where I went to for well, for those you don't know, I actually owned a game store for about sixteen years. So I got into the business when I was like twenty-one. It's pretty crazy, fun story though. But I went to events, and I would generally have people because where it's all business owners or managers are for the most part, right? And they would ask, oh, cool, you know, what store is yours or whatever, and blah, 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 and casual conversation. And then they would ask me, well, who do you work for? You know, and it's like the assumption that I wouldn't even be a business owner, you know, to, to start with. Now, granted, I was one of, at the time, I, at some of these, I was the black person. Mm-hmm. And some of them, I was one of two, you know. But even then, it's like that stuff happens, you know, that that's the mentality some people are carrying. Boy, go on back there and fetch the sheriff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, pretty much. You know, and it's, and that's the thing. Like, you don't ever hear about it. You don't see it because I, that wasn't something I was just going to bring up because it doesn't matter to my customers. Like, they shouldn't have to deal with that when I get back to the store, you know? Yeah. But knowing that I talked to friends, I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to do this thing with the city or whatever. And I just went and told them this and I signed some paperwork. Like, I go talk to them. I get the third degree. So then from then on, every time I come with, like, the presentation of like, here's five pages explaining what we're going to do, how many people, you know, how many days we need to set up, what our estimated costs are, you know, whatever, to make something happen. Like, it Here just, it's just not me with white people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, that's the problem. So I got a question for you guys. And, you know, I, I guess I just want to put it out there straight. Someone like me who's white, what can people like myself do to help? You know, especially not just this protest, but I guess all the injustice that's going on. Right. What's someone like myself and I'm sure a lot of other people out there, because you you guys have all heard it before. I I live in Florida and it's no big surprise. It's a conservative state and it's has history of racism and, you know, hell, the town that I live in was, you know, known for lynching people back in the 50s and 60s and all that shit. Um and 
a lot of the people that I've talked to and even I've got family members, you know, when they hear the term white privilege, uh, they automatically, you know, they start the whole BS of, well, I had it hard growing up and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, I, I don't I don't need to repeat it to you. you guys know what I'm talking about here. So yeah. Yeah. what's someone like Irish my people had just as bad as slaves. <laughs> I've heard that so many times. No, but what's someone like myself? What can I do to help you all out? Or, you know, or, or not just myself, but just other people who out there may be listening. I would say, okay, first thing I think is, or I guess I have four things. So, Brian, you want to go first? Because I got things. You <laughs> <laughs> have a whole list of things prepared. I would say if you go to a candidate forum or, you know, or you engage with your senator or congressman, and by the way, if you don't do that, please start doing that, I guess would be the first thing I would say. But when they start trotting out, you know, the, the tried and true talking points, I mean, just ask them some serious questions about what their plan is to address things such as police brutality, income inequality, and affirmative action and things like that. Okay. Like my first thing would be get people to understand the idea of white privilege, right? It's not about you not having a struggle because there are several white people who have serious struggles. I mean, I knew white people who grew up in trailer parks or had drugs at home or abusive parents or whatever. Like that can totally happen to anybody. And I think it's just one of those cases where we have chosen the word privilege and people attach a certain definition to that. But the reality is kind of like what we're talking about, where you don't have to worry about your ethnic sounding name preventing you from getting a job. You know, you're not going to have people question you being in a relationship because your skin color is different. You know, you're, you're not gonna go to an industry event and people question your status as a business owner. You know, I I generally had people walk into my game store and just and be mad, want to talk to the owner, and I'm like, "Cool, I'm the person." And they're like, "Well, no, I want to talk to somebody else." You know, like you don't have to deal with that. Like that's the definition of privilege. Like it's saying if another non-white person is put in the majority of situations that a normal white person would be put in it's going to be easier for you. Not saying that it's going to be smooth sailing and you don't have to try or whatever. It's just if all things being equal, you're going to have the easier road. And then we can talk about examples or whatever. But it's just getting people to understand that point of the whole thing. I think that's the biggest issue. The other I would say is don't be afraid to call people out on stuff. You know, we've talked about it on our show, even for us it may not be a racial thing but like when i see guys saying dumb things about women or you know trying to say something stupid or like disparage one for no reason like jump in and say something just don't let them be idiots you know say dude that's not right or like how would you feel if this scenario happened to you or what makes you think this or like in our case it's like dude what if that was your mom and your sister you know like call people out on their stupidity when you share some number of traits or you share the group with the person committing the faux pas or atrocity and you call them out it's going to have more weight than the person they're already attacking because they're just going to look at the other person getting defensive or not taking the joke right or i don't know 
being a snowflake, whatever it is they want to call them, right? Like, but if it's somebody that they relate to, it has way, way, way more impact. Like, I think that's that's probably the next biggest thing. And then the other is just support people of color, right? If you want to want to help, truly support them. Like, don't. I mean, I, I tell people, like, believe me, I have a whole segment planned for our show that we're going to record this week. <laughs> but really, it's like, you know, you say you want to support these people, but what are you doing? You know, it's like you could easily go retweet somebody's cool project they're working on on Twitter. Or if somebody just won a thing or somebody's put up a big announcement, like go post it on Facebook for people to see. Or, you know, in our case, like you're doing now, you're inviting us on a on a, your podcast. And the same thing for us. If we wouldn't, if we would have used our platform only for people of color, like we would have missed the opportunity to have certain women we've had on or trans people mm-hmm. we've had on, right? Like we, if we're gonna be an ally, then cool, open the door and be a true ally. But it feels like a lot of times people are looking for this just giant thing they can do. And it's like, no, sometimes you just need to do the level one and two stuff. Like that has an impact and it's not even asking you to push yourself hard. So basically the like, little stuff. Yeah, that, that'd probably be my list of things. Yeah. We've talked about on the show how we've seen people host, you know, diversity panels at events, and it's all, you know, six able, straight white dudes. We support diversity. Do you? Oh, man, I saw one of those, and that just blew my mind. different for the panel. Like, the thing that got me is you didn't even have a woman, much less a person yeah. of color. I was like, what are you doing? And and I'll tell you this. We, when I was at Wizards, we did a, a, a diversity uh, speaking panel for... Momocon, actually in Atlanta. And it was me, one of the guys, it was an Asian guy, a bisexual white woman, and just a cis white guy. And a couple people asked, like, well, why did you just have a cis white dude on the panel? And I said specifically because he can still speak to things he's doing to stand up for his gaming friends and to make it easier for us. You know, like, that opinion mattered too. (laughs) So... We, we got about the most diverse group we could think of to go speak to these people just so different perspectives could be heard. And it had an impact. Like people, now I will say, it was one of the like only moderately attended uh, panels, but because they were streaming it, we did get a lot of people who sent messages and stuff afterwards talking about like how happy they were we did it. Okay, how long ago was that? That was two years ago, I believe two years ago okay cool yeah either two or two and a half years it's been a little bit so you used to work at wizards i did uh what where did you uh or what did you do there i was in their trade marketing department so uh in that department it's basically all the stuff that goes or deals with the retail stores um as far as like the stuff that's marketed to them so all your promos your in-store materials uh my team was in charge of I, I was one of the ones that led the charge to getting WR, so it actually worked. Like, so I did that while I was there. Uh, my team, I think we talked about it last week or the week before, but like my team was actually one of the groups that came up with the idea to allow people to buy product at pre-release. So that's a thing you get to do now. You're welcome. Oh, uh, thank God. <laughs> uh, but I will tell you, like, Oh man, that's a whole different show. Never mind. Like, but I will just tell you that was quite an endeavor. So when people say that. People at Wizards don't care. Totally not true. That's probably the biggest fallacy in the in the game community, or at least in the Magic community. That 
people will say like, oh, nobody at Wizards cares. They're just worried about making their money. They're just doing whatever Hasbro says. I can tell you almost to a person. There might have been five people there that I ran into that were just, you know, punching in, doing the job, going home. Yeah. But most of the people there genuinely are concerned about what they're doing. And I can tell you, one of the first real, like, private meetings I had, this was probably like the second week I was there, third week, maybe third week I was there. It was me, one of the representatives from the distribution team, somebody from uh, customer relations, and then there was somebody else in there. But we literally had like a loud, like we weren't angry, but we were all animated. Like we had stuff on the whiteboard, and you know, and we were like erasing <laughs> stuff. Like, well, we can't do this because of this reason, or this is going to be bad, or I got to do this to make sure distributors are happy. Well, I got to do this to make sure the stores are happy. But you know what? When we got done, we were like, cool. Some of us got what we want, some of us didn't. Yeah. But we all felt that everything was heard. Everybody's points came out. All the, the sides of the business we were supposed to work toward got represented. And we went on about our business. And I still talk to them today. Like, we're still friends, yeah. you know? But, which is funny because some people saw us come out of the room. They're like, oh, God, are y'all okay? Like, what happened? <laughs> but that's, a, that's the level of passion people carry, though. You know, that they care about the job. should be. Those conversations, you know, if you're, if you're serious about the conversations, they're not always going to be comfortable. Yeah. Sure. Got to have them. You know, one you of know, the, what's the saying um, when, when you're negotiating? Both people, a good negotiation is both people leaving a little uncomfortable. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. My, my boss at that one of the papers worked that would always say that if everybody is ticked off at you, you're probably doing your job. If <laughs> both sides are equally upset, you're probably covering it, covering it accurately. And same thing for my job. People will say like, oh, well, everybody in the media is super liberal. Ha ha, no. <laughs> that is, to my experience, has never been the case. There are people in every newsroom, virtually all ends of the political spectrum. There are people who don't have any political affiliation. There are people like Daquan that just come in there. It's their job. They punch the clock, they go over to their family, and it's, you know, and they don't have a they don't have a dog in either fight essentially. It's and, their, and there's their and there's no big bad corporation controlling what you can and can't say. Uh it's usually not even a corporation, especially in a small town, it's probably one guy. The last paper I worked at, it was one guy. No, but he was not liberal at all. No, but you know what I mean. The, those all those conspiracies of, um, like the deep state, deep state liberal papers or whatever the hell they're. I don't know. Well, when people start talking about that, I tell them there is an Illuminati. It's called Congress. They're yeah. All, yeah. Congress they're and all lobbyists. Right, and for the most part, they're all rich. There's no secret about that. That's yeah. who, these are the people that run the world. They're old, they're rich, they're white, and again, there's nothing going on behind the curtain. This is out in front of you <laughs> and openly. You just have to vote and, and pay attention to it. The big ass corporations and lobbyists and Congress yeah. and yep. Well, you they know, don't not, not not to diverge too far, but I think that was one of the biggest wins, I think, in the last midterms, is that most of the not most, but a large percentage of the people who won seats more than any other time weren't from these large political families they weren't from these places that had lots of money you know they were people who paid to put themselves through school they were single parents you know whatever and they were winning these offices you know they were representatives of the lgbt community you know it was the first time i think we'd had that much diversity in a midterm election for people to get elected because i've said for years one of the biggest problems we have with especially at at 
in DC. You know, one of the biggest problems we have is if you go look, most of those people are already rich before they even get in the office. Most of them haven't paid for themselves to go to school. Most of them never even yeah. them or their kids have gone to public school. Yet we have them helping make the rules for what people are going to deal with in public schools. You know, and their career politicians few, too, as well. Oh yeah, or lawyers. Or you know, law, yeah. We have very few educators. We have very few small business owners. We have very few doctors. Very few farmers. You know, it's like. And we're making rules that affect all these people, but we don't have anybody invested in any of those things. And again, that's just another form of representation. You know, it doesn't always have to be about race or age or whatever. There's so many different ways you could represent people across the country, and we're just not doing a good job of it. Yeah. And I want to say, I don't care if you've been in office for 30 years, provided you're doing a good job and you're staying in touch, you know, with the, with the populace. The problem is when you're in office for 30 years and nobody can get you on the phone. Nobody can reach you by email, and you. Yeah, that's where things become problematic. When you just said, I've known senators where, like, even I as a reporter would have a hard time trying to, to get them to pin them down and get a quote from them. I can't imagine what the everyday person trying to get an issue resolved would have to do because you know most people kind of somewhat pay attention to the media. You know, I won't say most, but a lot of them. Yeah, no. Yeah, I would, brings up a lot of good points it's um especially you know so you said you're a news reporter what do you uh <clears throat> are you currently a news reporter right now i'm not currently with the okay. with a, a paper i currently am doing obviously the podcast i have a youtube channel i'm doing a lot of things on twitch and i still do a little bit i've got like daquan i've got about 15 16 projects spinning at, at any given time but i mean i'm always when news breaks, I try to fix it, as we like to say. <laughs> so, what are you uh, doing on Twitch or and YouTube as well? Uh, YouTube, I have it's a lot of gaming. Then some of it is just random things like reviews of new soda flavors or gamer snacks that are out. Twitch, I do uh, uh, primarily Madden, but it, really any game that comes across that I think, hey, nobody's done anything like that before. I'll I'll try to play it and just get get a get some attention on it. Any kind of strategy game I absolutely love. It's a, so that's one of my soft spots to try to play any kind of new different tactical strategy game that comes out there. At fan of StarCraft at all? Uh, my son is a huge fan. I have just really only played it a couple of times. Jordan is is an oh, expert man. at StarCraft at this point. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, <clears throat> getting back to these protests here, um, especially this past weekend, we saw um, definitely a lot of heated protests this past weekend. Um, you know, a as someone who, you, you know, not that I just see on Facebook, but also someone personally, it's like, I want to go out and protest, but I'm personally scared and I'm more scared of the police more than anything. Um, there hasn't been anything locally going on in my town for protests. It's all in Tampa because I live right north of Tampa. And as we saw this past weekend, Tampa is pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, the freaking, um, it was, I, I think it was a cop yesterday or I, I'm getting my days mixed up. I think it was yesterday who right, even right before the curfew they enacted, he started shooting rubber bullets at people and tear gassing right even before the whole curfew. And that honestly scares me, you know, cause I got a wife and kid to think about wife and kids i should say so what's someone who who maybe is afraid to go protest what can they do to like help support these protesters out there 
You know, I will say, well, first off, let me say there is nothing wrong with being afraid to be involved in a protest. Like people are for different reasons. You know, I believe, I think it was maybe last, late last night or this morning, Cedric Phillips was called out because he said specifically like, hey, this is going on near me. There's already this much action. Like, I don't feel safe going out there because of these reasons. And then somebody tried to call him out for like supporting protesting and that's that and the other and not going out there. And I was like, dude, do you, are you aware that like black people are dying by cops? You know, and a black dude's telling you like the cops are already getting wild. I don't want to be out there, you know, but he's still in line. He's, he's sharing content. He's using his platform as a basically a celebrity in the magic and gaming community to do extra outreach. He's connecting people with different things. Like he's still being active, even though he's not out there. You know, you can share the posts like I was doing yesterday. I wasn't one of the boots on the ground, but I knew multiple people who were listening to police radio, people that were offering safe houses effectively if you just needed to get off the streets for a while. You know, so I was constantly connecting people. I'm like, hey, do you know this person? Cool. Here's their address. Go here. Like, awesome. Hey, this person just said this thing was going on on this corner. You may want to stay away from there on your way home. You know, just helping people stay safe. You know, that's a thing you can do. Like, you don't have to be in the mix of it. The only thing I will say is if you are a white person or specifically or, or a non-black person, like in in these protests, like you do have to be prepared, be prepared to put yourself between them and the police because that's the biggest barrier of showing other people that no, hey, I'm in support of you. I understand this is wrong. If the police are going to do something cool, then make them attack me and we'll make a thing out of it. Yeah, you know. And I'm not saying everybody's cut out for that. I'm saying everybody should do that. Like, I'm just saying, if you're going to be there, be prepared for that. Burn and if you're fortunate enough to still live in a city that has a major newspaper, please, just, you don't have to subscribe. Just, if you, just, please, just keep your eyes open. Follow what's going on in your community. That's not just for police. That's for, your because, you know, I think there's a tendency for a lot of people to follow national politics. At least most people will hopefully know who, Trump and or Joe Biden are, but there are so many people who don't know who their council person is or who their senator is or who their mayor. And those are the people that are making the laws that affect you day to day. That's who's hiring your police chief. That's who's hiring police officers. And so many people wouldn't know their leaders if they walked up to them in the street. Oh, I'm surprised how many people don't even know their state governor, especially right now. When they're yeah. giving orders about, you know, the stay at home stuff and everything else. That's scary. It's like, how but do you not know? Not surprising. I mean, and you're right. You make a really good point, Brian. It's knowing who your local leaders are because they're the ones hiring the cops. They're the ones hiring right. the, the sheriffs and the chief of police. And I mean, Trump's not the one going around hiring all the cops, but it's you're right. You want to see change, do it at a local level and then, you know, work on state and then federal. And it's, um, yeah, that makes perfect sense right there. Yeah. More often than not. So many newspapers and even, you know, small to medium race communities are going away or even the larger papers are having to cut their staffs down to almost nothing. But there, there are a whole lot of citizen journalists out there on places like YouTube and various, you know, Facebook, other sites. Yeah. Facebook. There's, 
that's what's good and bad about journalism now is that <laughs> anybody you know with with 50 bucks and, and a and a website <laughs> can start their own news endeavor that's true and if that's even news but you know I think you're you're right to bring that up because I think people don't realize like they'll go out every four years and vote when it's a major presidential election, not realizing that every couple of years, like you're voting on a bunch of other offices. Yeah. You know, and, and a good example right now is especially for us in the Northwest or the West Coast is like, sure, Trump is saying whatever he wants about COVID or whatever. And, you know, but you know what? We have Oregon, Washington, and California. Their governors are basically just working together, saying like, F that, we know what's going on in our backyard. We're gonna play it this way and keep everybody safe. You know, so sure, you vote for president, he does do some things, but on a day-to-day basis right now, Governor Inslee is making a lot of the rules and laws for us. God, I haven't even heard from uh, Governor DeSantis the past few days um, here in Florida. I don't even know what the hell he's up to. Um, I haven't seen anything in the news because I've been trying to watch the local news. I mean, the mayor of Tampa, she's been kicking ass, taking names and um, doing the best that I feel she knows how to do. But Mm -hmm. um, it's yeah, makes a really good point. I mean, hell, Governor DeSantis was all there, you know, during covid and all this stuff, allowing stuff to open up early. But I've heard like not even a peep from him during these protests. And yeah, I, that's as tough. somebody that as somebody, you know, that prides myself on trying to keep up with this stuff, even when I go down, you know, your, your our local election ballot, there seem like there's 500 judges. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and judges are like referees. If they're doing the job right, you don't generally hear anything. Yep. But when one of them messes up and lets a kid out of jail because he had affluenza, that's what you hear about. <laughs> oh, hey, speaking of that reminds me like one. I, 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 and I brought this up earlier today that, man, I have now lived in a place where you get mail-in ballots and a place where you don't have it. And, man, mail-in ballots are just the straight shiz, for real. They are awesome. Like, they, they come in the mail like three, four weeks early. They have the, the pamphlet, or I guess it's a little booklet, actually, that tells you about all the people on the ballot. Like, you don't have to do any extra research. You, you, don't, even, you don't even need stamps. You just fill it out. Sign it goes right back in the mail. You are good to go. Like yeah, this is going to be my drop off points around town. This is going to oh. be my first year doing mail in ballots because I've I've always done early voting, but um, I've just decided I, I don't know how it is in Washington or Texas, but you can uh, go to the the state website or whatever, and they give you an, an option of what elections do you want to do mail in ballots for, and I just chose them all, every single oh, one. Dude. <laughs> it's so easy. like if you're in Washington, Oregon, I think Colorado and one other state, it's just automatic. If you're a registered voter, they just send it to everybody. That's great. Oh, yeah, dang. it's awesome. That's because when I moved here, better. one of my first thoughts was like, well, how do we where do we have to go to vote since we live here? I don't even know what district we're in or whatever. And then literally like two days later, things showed up in the mail. And I was like, oh, this is how we do it here. This is awesome. Oh, dang. I got to I got to do that at least once a year to do mail in ballots. So. But. Also, there's a good video that John Oliver put out this past week because he does last week tonight and yeah. he's always on point. But he does share some good facts as to all these people saying that there's so much mail fraud and this, that and the other. Like it's literally less than one quarter of one percent. Like there is almost no fraud at all in these things. Plus, the steps you have to go through to commit the fraud would be insane. 
I'd be more afraid of Florida losing my ballot more than anything. Than... Well, yeah, that's, that's a real thing. Like, that people of Florida not being able to figure it out. Always, uh, oh, there's, man. There's Chad's hanging off with his envelope somehow. I don't understand. But I'm just um, saying, if you want to get more people to vote, you want to make sure more people have access, I would push for that in whatever state you're in if you don't have it. It is awesome. That assumes that the leaders in your state want more people to vote, which unfortunately is not always the case. Well, that's that's a different problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that's awesome, guys. Um, now you, you all brought up a lot of good points, and I love it. Thank you. Um, it's been great. So let, let's, um, if you don't mind, we can shift things a little bit, a uh, little bit more lighthearted. Um, let's actually start talking about a little bit about magic. Um, uh, Daquan, you just had probably a really awesome weekend in terms of magic this past weekend. Um, you won a little bit of money. Um, I did. Des- describe uh, what were you playing and you know what you kind of went through to win that money. and. Yeah, so I, I was really kind of deciding. I already knew I was going to play the Arena Open I, just because I'd been preaching to people that even though I don't like Best of One, I totally understand why it exists, right? Because, one, it's the most popular way for people to play Magic. Like, casual players don't play with sideboards. I mean, I can tell you for a fact, I saw it in my store, I see it when I go to other people's stores. Like, people just bring their deck and they just play games of Magic. They don't have sideboards, right? So it makes sense that Wizards wants to make it as accessible to the maximum number of people. And it's okay, not every single thing is gonna be for all of us. I don't even like best of one, but whatever. I wanted the event to succeed. The other thing is that this is the first time I could think of where a major game company has basically had a big cash prize pool for their customers that wasn't gatekept in any way. And it was literally anyone could sign up, right? Yeah, because it doesn't matter if you play Magic or Hearthstone or CSGO or League of Legends or StarCraft or whatever, like to get into the actual money, you have to qualify in some way, you have to finish in a ranking somewhere, you Mm -hmm. got like, there was some other prerequisite, right? This is the first time that literally any person who had the Arena account could sign up and have a shot at the money. Now, skill notwithstanding, that's a different issue, but you at least had the opportunity. At this point, it was like a poker tournament, right? Like, you you get the entry fee, you have a shot at it like everybody else. And that was awesome. And the majority of people were gonna play free, I'm pretty sure, at least the first time, you know, because I had 80,000 gold in my account. I could have shot four bullets if I wanted to. You know, like, yeah. fortunately, I only needed one because I got a little bit lucky, but... he's just that good. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> like, day one, I chose to play uh, Neoform Winota. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> no, it totally was. No, believe me, I am not proud. Trust me. I mean, hey, <laughs> hey, it's sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I did make some adjustments to the decks to kind of offset the, the thing about not having a sideboard. Yeah. So I added a couple like incubation druids or whatever to kind of offset weird draws in case I'm on the draw and I can keep the mana correct. And there's like some little things I made a decision on that actually ended up paying off, which were pretty cool. So I went 7-2 on day one. So I like had my one loss to give, but, you know, got there. And then on day two, as funny as it is, now this is a whole separate story. This is what I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast, that I ended up helping people with all this stuff going on, you know, protest wise and whatever so i was just distracted most of the day matter of fact we were supposed to do this yeah this podcast <laughs> recording on that day and i was like dude i'm just so busy and then 
I realize like, oh crap, I still have day two of the, the open I haven't even like addressed yet. And that's gonna take at least two or three hours. And at this point I have three hours and 18 minutes left. Oh no, I had three hours and like 28 minutes because I fired up the stream <laughs> and I decided I was gonna stream with everybody. So got that set up, started when I had three hours, 18 minutes left. I finished with eight minutes remaining. Oh damn, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But, but I did go seven and one playing Gruel. Uh, managed to beat, I believe it was four Yori Index along, or no, five oh. actually Yori Index along the way. Gross. And the crazy part, playing Gruel, I did that, and I was only on the play, I'm pretty sure, in two matches. Oh, damn. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It was a hell of a run. And, so, and I started out one and one, so I had to win the next six. Oh, because you could only get two losses in day two? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Ooh, that's scary. Fun. <laughs> Matter of fact, that video is rendering right now, so by the time this goes live, it'll probably be up on my YouTube page. Master of promotion. <laughs> it's a long video, because I put it up, to be fair, I put it up just raw. I didn't edit much of it. I did like a two-minute intro, and that was it. I just put up the, the footage, because uh, the other part of the news is before I decided to play the Open, one of the things from a conversation we were having, I posted on Twitter and a couple, Facebook and a couple other groups, like, hey, when was the first time you had a black teacher? Because there were some discussions we're having and believing this has some amount of social impact for there being a lack of black teachers. But I wasn't sure, so I wanted to just like ask my group. And I'm assuming I'm going to get like 100 responses or so. Yeah. Well, when I'm done with the stream, because at this point it's been about four hours, because I did some giveaways for some codes or whatever and hung out for a bit. Well, when I get back on Twitter, there are 34,000 responses to this question. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, what happened? Like, I'm, I'm like trending on Twitter. I've got people blowing up my YouTube page. Like, I'm like, what's happening? Like, my phone's just, like, notifications just going off. I'm like... Battery's dying. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what the hell? Like, when when did this happen? Like, I don't, it's not like I was gone that long, you know? So, I spent large chunk of the night dealing with that. But, hey, I'm about to hit a thousand subscribers on YouTube soon. That's awesome. So... Yeah, it, it's a crazy, crazy couple of days. It has been a while. But the event was fun. You know, I will say there were some good players that actually didn't finish in the cash. You know, I saw that day one, uh, uh, Sperling was struggling a bit. I think he eventually got on like his fifth try or something. Wow. Uh, Crokey's made day two, and he ended up like 2-2, two, two, I think. He didn't oh, finish damn. in the money. Yeah, some people that like are are great. So, you know, I understood. I got a little lucky. For sure. But I think it had a lot to do with deck choice because if you watch my streams or even my YouTube channel, like I have several times I've been playing different versions of Gruul and almost hard targeting the Yorian decks. And that was kind of one of the things that made my decision. I was like, okay, with just a little bit of time left, I need to play something I already know, even though it may not be the best choice, I need to play something I already know I can make the right decisions fairly quickly, you know, just to save myself time. And fortunately, it worked out. As I had eight minutes left, so I didn't have a lot of time to spare. I <laughs> know <laughs> oh, that's awesome to hear, man. That's awesome. So, so when do you um? So how does that all work? So you won two grand. Where does that money go? Like, do do, do they send it straight to your bank account or? or uh, so what it is, they just sent an email today. So we have to you send them your DCI number, email address, name, and something else. DCI and number. Then, I thought those don't yeah, exist. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's not tracked, but it still exists for the time being till yeah. we're completely on the new system. Yeah. But they then send you the information using that to confirm an iPay account. And then oh, you'll okay. deposit the money there, and then you do whatever you want after that. 
Okay, okay, that makes sense. So I'm assuming most people will probably be paid, assuming you respond to them quickly with your information, probably be paid within a week or two, I would guess. And it saves them a lot of time instead of having to deal with all the postage and checks yeah. getting returned, people having the wrong address, you know. be a lot easier, all that yeah. Stuff. That's awesome. Well, what about you, Brian? Um, how long have you been playing Magic for? Oh, goodness. I think I, I want to say I started around 2002, 2003, somewhere in that area. Would that have been like, what, Nemesis Onslaught? or? I, I, I believe so. Which I, I think, you know, we are talking about this, how, you know, in comparison to Daquan, we, we'll have guests where they'll start talking about the old days, and they mean literally like the old days, you know, back, you know, in, in ancient times, and I feel like a total new person. Then we'll have a guest that uh, we had a guest that had just picked up the game uh, a year a year or so before, and then I feel like the old person in the room. So it's, it's no, just, I know what you mean. The perspective is weird. But yeah. It's funny you talk about the before time, but I I realize I've been playing so long. I tell people things from the beginning of Magic, and they think I'm just making stuff up because it's yeah. like so unbelievable. You oh. kids, you don't understand back in the day. I think the most recent thing I told somebody <laughs> like. The way, oh, you there because nobody knew the rules and there weren't judges, right? So it's like, well, the only thing you could do if you wanted a rules question answered is you had to get the little junky rule book that came in your little like five <laughs> yep. starter box, yep. black and white thing. You had to call the the long distance number to Renton, Washington, <laughs> and you, you asked them a rules question. Oh like, my God, I forgot about that. Because nobody else knew. That's what you had to do during business <laughs> hours, mind you. So if it was after, you just had to guess. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Um, I, I started in Urza Saga, and I always love telling the story. Um, we never had a game store here, so it was um, the, the only way you could buy magic was at this uh, sports card shop and just had a small little display. And I remember the thing that was so valuable between all my friends was the least thing you'd ever think about would be basic oh, it was lands. Oh, Shiv and Dragon. No, 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 no. The most valuable thing were basic lands. We'd have to oh, trade okay. basic lands with each other because he didn't have yeah. he, he he didn't have any starter decks or anything like that. That wasn't until like two years later. Um, and we <laughs> we would buy a whole bunch of booster packs and just trade basic lands with each other to be able to get decks or pretend oh this plains is an island or forest yeah. or something and. <laughs> There's a lesson about the economy there somewhere. <laughs> I know somebody that wrote on a dual land at the time because they needed another swamp. Wow. If only like, they that, knew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, now it, they, you know, they basically deface like $200, but now when, when you speak about, um, playing with new players and all that, um, uh, pixie kitten, uh, we do the project pro uh, podcast, uh, magic for normies and uh one of the segments that we're actually working on doing is called okay boomer cards where since she's only been playing for about two years um i i'm gonna showcase her a whole bunch of weird ass wacky old cards and one of the ones that i found that i completely forgot about um do any of you remember the card raging ravine i do Oh my God! Do, do you know that one, Brian? I I be believe I do. That no, sounds... no, not raging Rav raging river. Sorry. Yeah, I, I know was... what you meant. The yeah. one where you have to split the creatures <laughs> on either side of the river and decide yeah. which ones you're blocking or whatever. 
Oh, oh I completely forgot about that card, but it'll be cards like that that'll just blow her mind. And um, the the other card that I love showing to newer players is a scornful egotist who were who never played during Scourge or anything. They see an eight mana one one, and they're like, "Why? What? Why does this even exist?" <laughs> <laughs> what happened? What happened? Oh man, well, magic cards were were weird back in the day. They were either like super powerful. Or you just never wanted to play them. That's sort of what it felt like a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, the um, and I loved. I the, a lot of the art today is good and all that. Don't get me wrong, but I love some of that old school art too, where you'd have um. God, some of it was just gross and disgusting back then too, just really creepy art and um, it's a lot of it is. I mean, the the ones who really stand out nowadays would be um. You know, Seb McKinnon with his crazy art sure. that he's got. Um, but man, you you look at some of the, I'd have to find some of the cards. Some of the older stuff was crazy, but a lot of it feels a lot of homogenized now. And I and speaking with some of the artists that I have before on the podcast, like Noah Bradley, they say a lot of that's intentional now because they it have is. all these art directors and um, yeah. they they need a certain theme for it for whatever set yeah, they're going to every- work on. For every set, there's actually a style guide that's produced. Yeah, style so guide, yeah. Everybody knows exactly like what type of monsters live there, what do they look like, what is the terrain like, what is the weather like, how Which do people dress. Which makes sense. It makes sense And now. then anything you make, you're welcome to do, but like as long as it fits that structure or motif. And the biggest reason something like that, I know, and I'm on the fence about it, whether I like it or not, but the biggest reason stuff like that exists is for marketing purposes. Yeah. You know, that if they put together an ad campaign or they have somebody do like say like those those beautiful online trailers they've been doing for the last three or four sets, right? Mm-hmm. You can't make one of those and represent the artwork in the cards if it's all different. You know, yeah, yeah. You have to be able to tell the programmers like, hey, this is what this looks like, this is what the background of the story is, you know. And then they can do that. And then when you start putting up posters or web ads or whatever it all like clicks in people's head that these are all the same thing. You know, that makes but... too much sense, and I get it. It's I still like the. I liked it. You especially, you know, pre-internet days when a new set came out and all the weird, wacky art that you'd see, and I kind of miss those those days of blissful. Want to hear another crazy early story? Sure. Uh, this was around. This would have been the Tempest pre-release, I think. Okay. We were. We were actually, the morning of, driving to the pre-release, we had somebody actually print off the set list because nobody had it, but they had had a pre-release technically the day before because of the mm-hmm. way time works in like Germany, and they had emailed it to one of us. So we were trying <laughs> oh, to damn. learn the cards in the car on the oh, like wow. hour and a half, hour and 40 minute drive to the pre-release. Because again, we didn't even have in-store pre-releases. You had to drive to like your area's regional pre-release or whatever. And, you know, whether there's going to be like 300 people or whatever it was. So did you do well during that pre-release? Do you remember? Uh, we did. And I totally misplayed a propaganda thinking it worked for both people for some reason in one round. And that cost <laughs> me from getting the big prize. Wow. <laughs> oh, damn. What were the prizes back then? Uh, they were usually just like, you know, you, the top four, whatever, would get like a box or a box and a half or oh, something okay. and some other stuff. It wasn't crazy. Pretty similar to what, what most people have today now then yeah now a lot of people do like two packs per win or maybe like three packs per win like top spot gets like 10 or 12 yeah. boosters 
they made it a lot flatter, and I think that's actually good. I think anytime you're not playing for high stakes, the the prize support should be flatter, so more people go home with something. Because I think that's how you build bigger events in the future. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so are you both? I mean, obviously, Daquan, you know, you just won some money in arena, but do you do both of you consider yourselves competitive Magic players? Do, do you? I, s- <laughs> I absolutely am not a competitive player. Uh, I call myself a has-been Magic player. Uh, I I formerly have played on the Pro Tour twice. I've played in regionals once. I I feel like I still probably could. I just don't necessarily want to dedicate the time to it. I have more time, yeah. more fun, like trying these different decks for YouTube and making the YouTube content or helping people put together cool ideas or create something fun. Like I'm engaging with the game a lot of different ways. You know, I'm doing interviews with like game store owners and stuff like that that are still beneficial to the community, but not necessarily just playing the same deck and perfecting it over and over. Unless it's a gruel deck and money's coming up, then that's a little different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you might have just come out of retirement with the the past weekend's events. Well, you know, the fact that they're making it easy for us to play because I can just roll out of the bed and throw on a robe and try to win two thousand dollars i don't have to drive anywhere that's awesome i know right and it's not magic online that's another plus too yes oh for sure i mean i tell people like it, it is unfortunate if you are heavily invested in magic online but i always felt like at some point we knew there was going to be something else now granted that something else came like 14 years later or whatever but I mean, just the way it's built. I mean, it's it's effectively magic on spreadsheets. You know what I mean? Pretty it's, much, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's not good. And the programming, the way it's built, is you can't... There's only so much you can do to adjust it or add to it now. Like, it's layers and layers and layers of code that have been rewritten, adjusted, connected to other programs. Like, there's just yep. so much on the back end. And because it's older technology, it can't work with a lot of new stuff if they wanted to. Like, you can't put a Unity engine on magic online they, like they literally have possible. to build a new program which arena yeah. essentially you, you would spend yeah. more money and resources and programmers doing that than you would just building a new platform yeah. i've invested a fair amount but i don't ever want to go back to magic online i don't either i, I i've okay. sold out three times in magic online and my hopefully third is the last time <laughs> <laughs> I still have a pre-beta account of Magic Online. Oh, dang. So I've had stuff on it. Because when Magic Online... Again, here's another boomer story. Like when, <laughs> when Magic Online first came out, I'm pretty sure the initial group were Wizards employees, players that had participated in high-level events. I think like Nationals, Pro Tours, whatever. And some other third group. I want to say maybe judges or something. But those were the people that did like the initial testing and whatnot before yeah. it opened to beta, and then everybody had access to it. Oh wow! Picture it, Sicily, nineteen forty-two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's something like that. Yep. Oh man! I'm telling you, man. There's a lot of crazy old stories. I have like tons of them. No, it's great. I, I love hearing those kind of stories. It's My great. old stories go back to like 2010, <laughs> so it's not quite. <laughs> Hey, that's considered old for a Magic player nowadays, especially when you look at the landscape of content creators. Jeez, there's so many new ones coming. I have no idea who's who anymore. Like, I feel like before Arena, like before Arena went into beta, the the sort of 
open beta before it was open beta when they invited you know five million people i had a good handle of who the majority of the content creators are and now it's i, I don't know who anybody is anymore it's it's so tough to you know, you know what i want to say and this is rough because i feel so bad saying this but i think it needs to be said is that some content creators you got to step your game up y'all like there's a lot of people <laughs> That I have, because even before I started streaming, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna literally spend time researching. I'm gonna watch a bunch of other people stream, and I did that for about three weeks. Yeah. For like watching, literally just sitting down, rotating between channels, watching people for like 15 minutes at a time. Like on Twitch, there's people that literally are just sitting there, playing music and just clicking buttons. And I'm just like, why would anybody yeah. stop to watch you? Like, what's going on? And then crazy, there was one dude. They're partnered. No, yeah, but there was one dude, he was sitting there, he had, this guy had like a hundred people watching him. So I'm like, okay, this guy must be doing something right. He is literally sitting there smoking a cigarette. Occasionally, like, maybe like once every two or three minutes he would say something. But then otherwise he's just playing arena. And I'm like, how does this dude get a hundred people to watch him? Like, and then my other thought was, could this dude have like 800 people watching him if he actually was doing something? You know? Yeah, how do you get 100 people to begin with? <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, was he also, I mean, we also don't know, like, how long was he streaming? Like, did it take him a long yeah. time to get up to that? And, you know, maybe it was an off night he was having or something. It could something. also been somebody just raided him and just dropped, like, True. people on him. That, That's what that we'll too. Have. That too. But the other thing, too, is when you're going through YouTube, there's a lot of magic content. And what so I was saying, much with Arena out people, now. Yeah, for the new people coming on board, like, what are you doing to make yourself stand out? Mm-hmm. Like if you're trying to reach a thousand subs and at least in you know the four thousand hours watched to get monetized, like how, what's your plan to get there? Because if you're just gonna get on and just one not even show your face or anything, you're just voiceover on somebody playing arena. Well, I could just go watch somebody like Merchant or a CGB or whatever that at least has personality. You know, if I'm gonna do something and I'm engaging with a person and yeah. Why wouldn't I do that? Because if you want, look at mine, like I've made it a point to specifically like I've got an intro, I've got transitions. I make sure to like make sure I am largely visibly present on most of them, like the beginning and the end, you know, yeah. just so people are seeing me, they're engaging with me, like they're seeing a person of color. Like I am doing something to make my content stand out from other people. And it's funny because I've had a lot of people say exactly that. Just, oh, man, your production level is really high. And, whatever. and truthfully, a lot of it's actually pretty cheap and it's easy to get to do. I'm not going to lie. Like, I just did research and found ways to get stuff done because I am not the person to build those type of transitions or whatever, but found a place that could do some stuff for me. And I spent like $60 and I got everything I needed. So, you know, no, I know what you mean. It's I, I've gotten uh, compliments on my audio quality for my podcast. And as I'm like, Oh, what'd you do? You know, do you know audio engineering? I'm like, Nope. I just Googled a bunch of stuff and mm -hmm. <laughs> figured it out until to me, it sounded decent. I mean, that that's half the battle too, is you want to make things look good production stuff. Google it. You know, there's 5 million oh, yeah. guides out there for that stuff. And the thing that blows me away is before anybody starts any of these projects, they do so little research. Like I have so many people that come up to me because they're seeing me having success ahead of where they yeah. are. And I'm like six or eight months behind them. You know? And they're like, dude, how did this happen? Or where'd you get this? Or how? I'm like, dude, I literally watched a YouTube video or I read an article. Like this is <laughs> like literally you search that actual topic. That's number two that comes up. Like what? 
what have you been doing? You know, like oh yeah, that's um that that's something that a lot of people don't realize. Um, not just the research, but so I've been doing podcasting for over four years now. Um, love it. I just, probably just like you, I didn't think I was gonna go anywhere with it, and you know I've had a lot of opportunities with Channel Fireball. Um, you know, gotten preview cards from Wizards. I just had Gavin on last week, which is I can't wait go. to release that episode. Um, and it's um. You know, I, I feel like I've accomplished a lot with it, but what I never realized going into this, and I think a lot of people don't realize, is there's so much behind the scenes work that people don't see. And it's the the record this this part right here, this is the easy and fun part. It's all the stuff after the fact, um, you know, because I don't do a whole lot of video editing or because and I've gotten my audio editing down pretty packed to where it takes me. As long as I don't have to do any major overhaul to it, I'm like done within a half hour and all that. Okay. Um, but it's people don't see all the behind the scenes stuff that, and I think that's what a lot of people don't realize getting into this. And maybe that's why a lot of people quit because they're like, oh, why don't I have success right away? It's like, it's yeah, not easy. It's I not easy. The, <laughs> the figure we found when we started was something like, I think they said six, was it 60,000 or 600,000? Some big number of new podcasts we're going to debut on the iTunes store that year. And something like only, it was some small number, only like 30% of them even make it to like their fifth episode. You know, and I think it's exactly wow, that. That's people crazy. were like, Oh, I'm going to get on. I'm going to interview some people. I'm going to talk about this thing. I like to talk about not realizing it's like, Oh, I have to promote it and I have to remember to do this. And I got to edit it and I got to find guests or I got to find sponsors. I got to do whatever. And it's like, yeah, if you're going to do it right. There's, there's things you're going to have to do. Like there's a lot of work to everything. You know, believe me, some of the craziest thing is when you're putting up YouTube videos and I'm like gauging, okay, this is only at 12%. Still going to take another, 20 minutes to load. Can I edit the podcast and the time that you know, like, like, there's a lot of time management that goes on to be efficient? You know? Oh, yeah. And especially when you're juggling a full time career at the same time and a family and kids and trying to do this content creation. It's um, I mean, thank God my my wife is so understanding of me wanting to do this. And there was um, a point last year where I thought I was done because I'd like just hit a really low point. Um, you know, depression really overtook me and just a lot of personal stuff going on. And and she she's one of the ones who kept telling me, just go back and do it because it makes you happy, makes you happy. I'm like, like, all right. And now it's to a point. And I'm sure at some point I'm going to stop this. Right. It's not going to go on forever. But, sure. you know, it's I, I love doing this. Like, I love coming on, bringing people like you guys talking about, you know, some hard issues to bring up and talking about some fun stuff as well, too. Um, you know, and I love this and I, I, I love interviewing other podcasters because I like getting into your guys minds and see what you're doing and what you're bringing to the table as well, too. You know, I, I love that you mentioned that because I think one of the things I'd like to say to people is that y'all need to be easier on content creators. Like, I've literally <laughs> seen people, like, people are just like, oh, well, I didn't come here to see pictures of your pies. I came here because you put Magic Deck List up. And it's like, wait, so the person can only ever talk about one thing ever or oh, not God. make a post? Yeah. Like, yes, like exactly. what the hell, you know? It, like, that's just an insane thing. Like I literally, I talked to some people who they they were trying to be competitive video gamers, right? Yeah. 
they and some of these people not not the particular people I talk to but some of their friends have you know 10,000 subscribers or some of these huge ridiculous numbers on Twitch they actually are afraid to go to a competitive tournament to play the thing they stream because they're going to lose some like 5% of their subscribers or followers because they're not going to have content up for four days while they're at the event. Yeah. Like, that's insane to me. Like, they literally come to watch you play that thing that you're good at. But the fact that you're going to go to an event to do the thing you're good at, they're going to penalize you for it. I'm like, what is the logic? You're not allowed to have a life outside of content creation is the logic. The logic is illogical, but they, the machine doesn't care. And you'll, and you'll see people that they will get mad when, like, even some of these big names, they'll be like, hey, look, today I'm just not feeling it. I'm kind of sick or I'm no. not mentally into it. I'm just not going to stream today, guys. And they'll get four or five hate posts. You know, I'm just like. Yeah, that. And and, and when someone goes outside of their content, like, I do a, um, I do, like, a side companion podcast RPG companion that's mainly about D&D and RPGs and all that. I love I and I take my time doing those episodes. They come out maybe once every other month cuz I research it, you know, really really focus on it and I barely get anything and no one ever responds. It, it unless it's YouTube. Um for whatever reason my RPG YouTube videos go bonkers compared to my magic ones. Um but yeah, I, I've gotten hate on that, like, you know, stick with magic and all that stuff. And it's like, but I love D&D also, you know, I want to share my love yeah. for that. But I take my time and really work on that compared to magic to where I, I do mainly interviews now. So I'm just like, I can just push these out, you know, one after the other with these. Yeah. And, and I enjoy making magic decks and putting that up. But anybody who follows my channel on YouTube knows that, like, It'll be interlaced with like, hey, here's a cool product or service I ran across, and I'm just going to do a review because I think it's beneficial to you to know about, right? Yeah. So that might be the video that day, or it's going to be an interview with the store owner. Like I did a couple recently with store owners from different parts of the country talking about how the whole COVID issue affected their business, mm-hmm. what they've done in the meantime, what their future plans are, you know, just to give people perspective on what's going on in the game industry. You know, and there's still people that are like, eh, well, I'll just wait till you put your next deck video up or whatever you know yeah like, it's, no, I, know, I just had um uh two lovely ladies up in canada um tap that mtg um re- they're, they're a smaller youtube channel but i didn't know that they also owned a game store and so a lot of the conversation turned to talking about their game store up in canada and how that how they've been dealing with it you know during the pandemic and it's been interesting to hear from store owners like how are you all handling it? especially someone outside the u.s too because we here in america we don't see what's exactly going on outside of our own you know states essentially yeah. and seeing you know how's canada handling it you know yeah and also speaking of game store stores uh one of the things i started doing was doing a series of videos to tell people like hey here's some things you need to do if you want to run a successful store as far as like even getting set up and your initial business plan, things like that. Because I, because people, once they find out I've owned a game store, like five or six times a year, I get messages saying like, hey, I want to do a store, blah, 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 what should I do, and whatever. I'm like, well, first thing is you're not prepared, so I'm going to tell you not to do it. But you're not going to listen, <laughs> so here's some other things. Right? And, and you get rich owning a game store, right? Uh, it's a real way. <laughs> but I try to explain to it, like, it got to the point where I'm like, you know what, what if I just made this a series of videos? So if somebody asks, there's at least a resource already there. I can say, just go watch this. 
you know, and it's been pretty good so far. Like I've had a few people actually watch them. Other game industry people have watched them and said, you know, signed off on them and said, yep, this makes sense, you know, whatever. So it, it's, and now it did hit a roadblock because those combined with my game store interviews, I had a whole series of people I was going to be talking to, but obviously I can't go visit their stores and do things anymore. Mm, yeah, and, you know, yeah. locations I was going to shoot at. So that kind of wrecked that a little bit. But in the meantime, I've gotten better with editing and learned some more things to do with my camera. So when I get back to it, they might be a lot better. Yeah, I've been, um, hell, I think during this whole lockdown, I've been playing more paper magic than ever the past couple months. And that's due to spelltable.com playing, yeah, uh, ca- playing commander online. Um, do either of you play commander? I do. What about you, Brian? I, I have played it before, not not as much recently, but I definitely want to get back into it. And and sounds like spell tables I need to check out. Apparently, oh my yes, please check it out. I'm not sponsored by them or anything, but um, I've been. I, I'll, I'll admit, I have a little bit hard time streaming Magic Arena. Um, I I like the game. I like Magic Arena. It just doesn't feel the same at all. Like it's not the Magic yeah, I grew sense. up playing and loving. It, it's it's great that. You know, hey, if I wake up at 3 a.m. and I want to go play some games of Magic, boom, I can just play a few quick best of one games and get off and I'm done. Um, it, it, Spell Table, it was called Virtual EDH before, but Spell Table, now I'm streaming it about three times a week, playing Paper EDH, and it's the most fun I've had with Magic in a long time. Yeah, isn't that the program they're going to use for the Magic or Command Fest? Yep. I think it is. Yeah. Yep. yep. Also, by the way, did you see that package they have for the Command Fest? No. It's like it's like ninety nine bucks. You uh, are you talking about the Magic Fest in a box? Yeah, I think that's what it is. It overcomes like the Soul Ring, the Path of Exile, and yeah, I actually get four Soul Rings. You get the foil oh, one and then yeah. three non foil ones. God. Then you get the full set of Path to Exiles. You get like <laughs> ten other promos. Yeah, you get a, yeah. A playmat of your choice from like the last year, I think. And right. I'm trying to reduce the amount of magic I have. It's like, fuck, I don't want to <laughs> spend... Oh, I feel you, but it, like, the value in those things... I know, like, I know. Why would I I gotta get one of these, right? Like, even if I don't want it, I gotta get one, right? I think that's where it, it's at. It's that FOMO. It's that FOMO's real. It's <laughs> like, I, I didn't I didn't even want all five of the Commander 2020 decks, yet I bought them all. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> but here's the thing. I will say this about Commander decks. really game. <laughs> no, I'll say Dude. this about Commander decks. I don't think any of them have ever not, like nearly doubled in price they, they all have it's um yeah they because each one of them has some five to twelve cards that like you're just not going to find anywhere else yep so if anybody wants one like okay you automatically over the course of the next year and a half two years well those cards are all like five and ten dollar cards yep and if you don't get it now then you are gonna miss out for the most part and it's that freaking it's real that fomo is real man um, I'll tell you, they, those are about the safest thing you can buy magic-wise, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And I think it's one of the best newer player products, especially for players that are wanting to dive into Commander. Yeah, uh, most definitely. It's um even so we when we did the precon stream um we just did a precon stream two weeks ago for all the Commander 2020 decks. They are all straight out of the box. All of them really good. Um, I'd probably say, God, I don't know. Maybe the teamer ones might be like the weakest, but that's like barely, barely the weakest. Yeah, where you're splitting, <laughs> getting nitpicky. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, no, they were all 
great and i've, I've loved all of them um so are, are any of you doing the command fest this coming weekend i was thinking about it like i i mean i'm tempted i don't know i'm tempted i exactly that's the way i feel about it you know i just came off of playing a full weekend of magic plus dealing with all this other stuff so i'm kind of <laughs> like uh do i want to just take the weekend off and maybe just shoot something minimal for youtube you know like i don't know yet i'm, I'm really he's on walking the around with the belt just flossing you know looking for <laughs> oh, no, see, now, now, see, that's the real thing like i will say that like if there was a championship belt I might get back into being competitive. Like if I could like <laughs> walk up and make the like belt symbol old school wrestler style, you know, like get, get some theme it. music playing when you walk in. Because <laughs> I will say, of, of all the things I've done magic wise, you know, and I've fortunately I've done a lot in the magic industry, all except for maybe work for a distributor. I think I've done just about everything else. You know, I've worked for a game manufacturer. <clears throat> I've written for magazines and website. I've done podcasts. I've run events. You know, whatever. I've competed on the pro tour. Like I've actually never won a trophy at an event. I've won tournaments and I've won cash, but I've never won a trophy from an event. So maybe, maybe Brian, that's what you need to do for Daquan here. Um, ma make him a little trophy for winning the arena open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll get the kids right on that. Wow. No, I've, I've won fantasy football trophies and I don't own a magic trophy. Oh, dang. <laughs> Oh God! Here we go to fancy football trophies. Oh man! So um, oh yeah, Brian's in our league. I got two of them. Brian Brian's got one though, right? Like yeah, you get one. Yeah. yeah, you got you got one championship. Is, so I'm not super into football, but I'm like, as you can tell, I'm, I I love baseball and all that. But oh, that's yeah. one thing I've never ever. As much as I love D and D and RPGs, you'd think I'd probably like fantasy baseball or something like that. Never ever tried it. Never Here's tried. The problem, like when we're talking about fantasy sports. Like baseball is the most difficult of them. Oh, really? Because you have to know all the pitcher rotations. You got to know who the relief pitchers are. You got to know what days of the week. Because some days they're playing double or triple headers. You know, you got to have all that figured in. And then there's my boys, the Rays. I, I know all. I know all of them. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. But then there's but then there's also left-handed pitching. Yep. And all yep. But but then there's also like okay. What is my league scoring? Are we doing singles, doubles, triples, home runs, steals? Are is batting average matter? Is on base percentage matter? You know. See, this is where I get them? where I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, like, like in because I've never done a fantasy sports before, so I don't even know how it even works. Yeah, basically, it's your league determines how much each thing is worth in that sport. Okay. So, like. They, for simple math, it might be like singles are worth one, doubles are worth two, triples are worth three, you know, yeah. and still <clears throat> might be worth like four or whatever, however that your league determines it. And then you're trying to have the best score each week, whether you're playing head to head or you're playing against a group of people within the league or your division or whatever. And then at the end of the season, whoever scored the highest consistently goes into your playoff or whatever and does it against the other high scores. The problem, though, like the reason fantasy football is one of the biggest fantasy sports is it's effectively a once a week thing. Yeah, I mean, and there's only like, like Thursday games or Monday games. Yeah. But mostly you're setting your roster like once a week unless there's a last minute injury or something. That's it, mostly it. And it's only what 14 15 games something like that be uh, before yeah, 16 playoffs. Games. 16 games yeah. before playoffs. Well, yeah, most leagues you actually do like 14 or 15 weeks yeah. and then start your playoffs as the teams are going into the real playoffs. But yeah, it's it's definitely. I think that's the thing that makes fantasy football like 
so popular because you can do any type of variant you want, but people still only have to set up a roster once a week. Whereas, yeah, like baseball, fantasy baseball, and fantasy basketball, like you have to fantasy basketball is easier, but you still have to check it every day because oh, damn randomly a player <laughs> decides they're going to sit a player because he's played like three nights in a row or whatever. And you're like, Oh crap, I got to get that dude out of my lineup or whatever it is. Or he got arrested again. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that has happened before, but that was the thing. Oh damn. But like, so just like weird things like that. But you know, with football, you generally know if somebody's injured or not or whatever on like Tuesday or Wednesday. So you're like, okay, I'll just watch this player and that's it. If no news, then I just leave my roster alone. But yeah, I, I did fantasy baseball once, and I was like, man, I'd have to be heavily invested or playing for some real stakes for me to do it again because it was mm-hmm. a lot of work for a season. Well, I mean, and it, now because of the pandemic, people are playing or they're playing the Korean League fantasy baseball. And I yeah, figured, I, I, I saw I got that. The invite. I figured that was just I'm gonna click on this. It's gonna go to a chat room and be like, this is an intervention for your gambling habit. Is where I figured. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, league baseball. But no, actually, yeah. I love so, baseball. Not so much fantasy leagues, but as much of the daily fantasy with like uh, DraftKings and whatever the other one is. Like they're doing that for sure. But they've been take, trying to take bets on damn near anything. They've been looking at a lot of the esports leagues. Oh yeah, I've seen that. that. I've seen that. Yeah. You know, so people can get their gamble on. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so Daquan, are you uh? working full-time or is like content your sort of thing right now because you said you don't own the store anymore right you said no, 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 no. Actually, okay. here's here's the funny thing covid was actually awkwardly placed for me perfectly to be both great and terrible which is pretty Ooh. funny uh but i was actually between jobs and i had a bunch of interviews coming up which they're all in the area different like state jobs government jobs you know mm-hmm. and all moved on to like the hiring manager level of one of like one to three people they're interviewing for each of these. And then COVID happened. (laughs) (laughs) And they all sent messages saying, well, you know, we still are interested, but we don't know where we're going to be back in the office and we know who's going to be the interview. Yeah. So it was like, well, all right, I get it. Nothing you can do about it. Coincidentally, there is a local office here that has a bunch of people working for home that I've still interviewed with them a bunch. Uh, went through, did all their tests and whatever. And I'm supposed to find out here in the next, I guess, like two to four weeks. But, you know, government jobs, they take a while. But in the meantime, it's been perfect because I've just used the downtime to just double down on YouTube, Twitch. You know, because awesome. one of the things I told myself is if I'm going to have this much time, then I need to use it. You know, yeah. I know a lot of people talk about trying to be successful, trying to do a thing. It's like, but to do that, sometimes you also have to seize opportunities. So whether, and you know, you may be at home furloughed or whatever for the time being, like if there's something you want to do, do it. Like I talked to so many people they are like, well, I wouldn't know how to start. I'm like, but have you done anything to start? Like, have you bought anything? Have you read any articles? Have you watched any videos? I'm like, well, no. Then like, then when are you going to start? Because you're yeah. never going to have this much free time ever again as an adult in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, e- even though I've been working full time throughout the thing, um, like ap- March, April, I'm in healthcare. So, and I'm in more of a uh, elective field of healthcare, radiology. And radiology definitely went down a lot during March oh, and April. Sure. And um, so I had a crap ton of free time. So it's not only did I, and my boss was, and I'm freaking out. My I'm, my boss, thank God, I love my boss. He told me, like, 
he's like, Zuby, just calm down. You're not you're not going anywhere. You're not getting fired. Go go play video games or work on something else. I'm like, uh, okay. Because you know, I'm so used to that mentality of I gotta work, 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 work. And yeah. when it's whenever there's any like downtime, I'm like, oh crap, I'm I'm not working. What's going on? <laughs> oh, so, dude, I feel you. I feel you. I am very much that. I always tell people, like, even if I retire, I'll be doing some charity work or something or oh, whatever. Yeah. I don't think I'll actually be like truly retired. But oh no, I know what you mean. But yeah, I'm with you totally. And that's sort of where that mentality came from. It's just while I'm here, let me do something and let me make it productive. So my thought was, if I could race to get my YouTube channel monetized in time, then that'll just be bonus money whenever everything goes back to normal. So oh, dude, I, I've been um I've been streaming more. I've been doing that, like I said, doing the paper EDH. Um, I'm like this close to getting my first Twitch payout, which and there I, you I, go. I I've been affiliated with Twitch for years now but i never ever did anything with it because i just never cared enough to stream or anything and now with this it's i'm having so much fun streaming edh and i'm about to get paid out probably any day now and it's and i'm probably just gonna put that money back into this podcast and stuff it's you know yeah i've done that that's one of the big thing i think it's good you said that anybody who's thinking about getting into content creation that would probably be my first advice either save it or reinvest it into your project. Don't go yeah. spend it. Like that's the wrong. Like that's oh, really. It's, it's the, so the easy to want to go buy like shiny new toys and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, because you want to celebrate, right? You yeah. finally got your thing. But your choices really are reinvest it. If you're not going to reinvest it, save it. Then don't spend it because this is bonus money for you. You either put it in the project to try to make the project better to make more money, yeah. or just save it. Don't waste it because then, because truthfully, especially with content creation, you can have a huge month and the next month could be a quarter of that yeah that, that, no that's what that's what scares me with like people who go full-time with content creation i mean kudos to them who can do it i i couldn't do it it's i need that stability of paycheck to paycheck and all that it's i couldn't imagine but you know what though the people that do it they treat it like an eight to five they're doing yeah, four yeah. to five days a week they're doing six to eight hours like professor Tolarian community college i don't know if you ever talked with him he treats it exactly like a job and yeah. just bangs out video after video and all that so i had him on the podcast a couple of years ago and yeah I, I was asking about that stuff it's crazy he's um he's a work machine when it comes to that you have to though like, yeah that's how you and and you you get your sponsors you sell merchandise, mm -hmm. you know, you, you have affiliate programs, you're doing whatever, just so you have multiple streams of revenue. Like, even now, I have somebody, actually, it's funny, they just popped up just as I said that. I have an artist actually working on some t-shirt designs, because so, I had a couple people ask them, like, because people are like, hey, do you have anything you sell or whatever? And I was like, not really, because I'm not that big yet. But I was like, hey, if y'all want merch, F it. I'll sell you a couple t-shirts. <laughs> you know, like, so... Great. And I'll tell you one thing that's been awesome for me is because of the time I stream. I stream 9 p.m. to midnight Pacific time. So it's usually after a lot of the U.S. has gone to sleep. Yeah. But what's awesome is I get a lot of Aussies and Kiwis and stuff and some Germans I get on my stream. And they've been super supportive. So as things have started to grow, like they've been like they're like the greeters in my channel and everything else. Like it's awesome. Oh, that's what I love I'm um, doing with uh, the the best streams that I've noticed that I've had personally is um the ones I do Saturday morning because just like you all get a lot of people from Australia especially the UK as well too mm -hmm. and um just a lot of them and it's it's awesome it, it it's still 
I, I don't want to say weirds me out, but it's, it's it's still weird that you know someone like on the other side of the world is want to watch me play magic and do very badly at it and <laughs> but here's the thing though and this is what again this was from like my research early on when i was looking at when is everybody streaming i'm like well if i get on at prime time for us which you know seven to ten i'm like well there's a crap ton of people already streaming like yeah. why would you want to stop and watch me when you could watch like seth or you could watch andrea or you could watch like whatever they're all streaming yeah. in that window right like why what but if i'm on later then i'd get all the people that are already still wanting to watch somebody stream or maybe they just got on and I can get a lot of the transition. And then if you make friends with any of those people, or anybody who's even a mid-level streamer, well, when they're done, they're just going to raid your channel with some mm -hmm. people. You know? So, like, why compete? Like, just get yourself an easier time slot. So, same thing with you. Like, if you get on early, a bunch of those people aren't getting on the stream till like, noon. You know, like, you can beat them to the punch. Now, you bring up another good point, um, competing. That's, um, that's something that took me a long time to learn and get over, um... And I feel like a lot of maybe a lot of newer content creators think they are competing and in and in a sense you are, but you really aren't competing because it's really good to build that community of it. Um, and, and the reason why it took me a long time to get out of it, because I competed in martial arts for a long time when I was a kid up until mid to late 20s and all that. And when you're in like a sport like martial arts for so long competing like that, it's so hard to get out of that mentality of everyone's against you. Right. Because when, when, the leg. <laughs> <laughs> yep. it, well, when you're in a fighting sport, th that's all you're like trained for. You're trained to fight and all that. And so you think that person against you like, oh, I got to fight them and all that stuff. It's like no that that and I, I i love telling that to people to make sure they understand it's not it's not a competition y you know learn from the people that are doing that are bigger than you you know talk to them about it see what they're doing right and what you're doing wrong or talk to other people your level mid-level you know just learn and understand and grow and don't be afraid don't think it's all just one big competition yeah the biggest thing when i talk to people is when they're struggling, I'm asking them like, you're getting on at the same time as other people that have been doing this longer and you're doing the exact same thing they're doing. Like I get it, they research, they look at those people, they model, model their streams after them, but it's like if you're just them, but with less notoriety, why is somebody gonna watch you instead of them? Yeah, who are you, you know? Yeah, like that doesn't make any sense. So like do something to make yourself stand out. Like even with me, with my channel points, like they can spend them to like, make me tell a bad joke, we do two truths and a lie. Like, I have just some ridiculous stuff in there. But oh, wait, it's a you thing can, you that can edit those? people gotten used to. Oh yeah, you can totally oh, customize shit. I had no idea. <laughs> shit. But it's become, oh. it's become part of like my channel brand, right? So people come in just to have fun and be goofy. Or I, I've literally, I, I might take some too. of your ideas because I didn't know you could edit those. I, I just thought, because I have a shit ton of people just always do the highlight message one and I'm thinking, oh, dude, oh, you can put mine has like 12 things in there, I think. Oh, damn. I had no idea you could. I thought that was just yeah. it. <laughs> For all different levels. I, mean, I have a thing that like somebody can spin. I never changed mine. Yeah, I have no idea you could. Have me well, critique their stream if they want me to. I, they can make me watch a video and get my reaction. They can, like, you know, all kinds of things. Just dumb things. I think uh, your neighbor TJ has one that you can spend like 500 points to make him do 10 push ups or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can do whatever you want. Like, oh, that's great! I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna extreme. take that idea. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, there's there's so much stuff you can do, but people don't touch any of that, right? And it's like that's how you get that engagement. The other thing I would tell people too is 
a lot of people tend to want to make friends with the bigger streamers thinking that there's going to be some level of like clout yeah, rubbing off yeah. or something, right? <laughs> and in theory, that's true. Like, if they were to raid you with a big enough raid, some percentage of them will hang around and you will get some new people, right? Mm-hmm. But the real issue, there's really two points. One is, is your content similarly similar enough to theirs so their mm-hmm. audience still wants to engage with you? Because if they have a whole different style, like a good example is Bloody is huge on, on Twitch, in the Magic yeah. Twitch. But like, Bloody's audience isn't necessarily the same people that are in my audience. So it's like, eh, her rating me isn't necessarily going to be a great experience for her viewers. Yeah. Because we're, we're just different personalities. Not that I have a problem with Bloody at all, but like, we're just different personalities. Yeah. Like she plays music, I don't. You know, like, it's just going to be a different type of stream. It'd be, it'd be like me rating your, like, I play EDH and you're playing yeah, exactly. Arena. It's like, why would I, why would my audience want to stick around watching Arena if they want to yeah. see the paper magic? doesn't make sense yeah. but what i did is i started finding other streamers at the same level i'm at you know some like 15 to 50 streamers per stream or viewers per stream and that are on maybe a couple hours before me a couple hours after me we have a little bit of overlap and we just networked and then yeah. what i've noticed is because one of the things too if you look at your twitch uh stream manager one of the things there it, it'll show you the other channels that your viewers have in common so you can see like, oh, well, some like 20% of my viewers also watch this person. So it's okay, cool. When I see that person on, I'll just go raid them and just be like, hey, I'm going to drop these people over here. Yeah. So they have a positive experience, even though like maybe the other 80% in my channel may not even know this person, but there's a reasonable chance they're going to enjoy it. So I've built relationships that way and I'll go into somebody else's stream and I'll see some of my regulars, you know, so it's pretty cool. That's all, that's a good idea, uh, Brian. What about you? Um, I feel like we kind of left you in the dark there a little bit. Um, uh, how, how have you been doing during this um, pandemic? Are are you current? You're not working for a newspaper right now, but you also mentioned you're a comedian too. Are are you still actively? Well, I guess it's kind of hard to do that, like go to clubs yeah, or anything well, right now. <laughs> I mean, a, a lot of my friends have kind of started doing, you know, like Zoom and Skype things, which I've looked into and haven't started anything along those lines yet. So I'm really just mainly doing Twitch, YouTube, and just kind of taking care of the family right now. Okay. Are, are you currently working see. too right now or not? Uh, not right now. We're trying to figure out, because again, one of the yeah. other main things I was doing was murder mysteries, and obviously we're not having a, a whole lot of those right now. What, what do you mean, murder mysteries? Uh, you know where you go to Dave and Buster's and somebody drops dead and you have to solve the mystery? Oh, okay, okay. I've never done one of those. They that's sound a, fun. That's a, a classic job for uh, hacky comedians and actors like <laughs> myself. <laughs> Yeah, taught defensive driving for a while. Another classic hack comedian job, and of course you can't do that right now either because uh, oh, Redbull's restaurants are closed. And so before the but it's starting to come back. No, that's good. That's good. So before the pandemic, um, were you doing a lot of um comedy nights or anything or stand up nights? Doing uh, do, doing mostly open mics and then trying to get stuff worked out. Mostly doing a murder, and I even did a commercial for a, a lawyer a couple of years back. That was fun. oh dang. I, it's, I don't think it's still in rotation, but you know it's, that's so cool. <laughs> hey, you got paid. So yeah, you know. exactly. That's the most important <laughs> thing. I didn't get paid a hundred thousand dollars, like I said. I got paid. You know, spoiler alert. But. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so is that like one of your aspirations, like be a bigger comedian? Well, the, the crazy thing is when I started as a journalist, you figure, okay, well, I, I do want to do comedy, but of course you want to have a backup plan. Yeah. Crazy thing is I picked uh, newspaper journalism as my primary gig. So the backup plan turned out to be far more stable than the primary plan. I still act, <laughs> I still do stand up. I, I still do a podcast, but as I don't have a newspaper to work for anywhere. Oh wow! So that that's was kind of it was the reverse of what I thought was going to happen. Figured I would probably still be writing and not be doing as much acting or stand up, and it went complete opposite way because local newspapers they just are not you know well you know how the economy is yeah yeah I don't know that's awesome though so um what's your, so you said you just mainly do open mics you have you haven't gotten have you gotten any paid gigs or anything like that. Oh yeah, I just have have not been doing a whole lot of it lately. And as well, yeah, before yeah. the pandemic, was primarily doing the acting because you know that acting is okay. It's a set paycheck that you're gonna get from doing that show. That's awesome. Uh, it was funny. And it was funny. One night, somebody uh, looked at me because you know in the second act, especially if the things are kind of running long, they'll start mm-hmm. just cutting entire scenes because you're working around people's dinner, literally. And somebody turned to me and goes, "You haven't spoken in about." 30 minutes and then the writer told him he gets paid the same as everybody else like, there you go <laughs> <laughs> nice man as long nice. as I get paid I, I, don't, I don't need all the jokes <laughs> nice so the plan right now is just keep pushing away at like YouTube Twitch and all that the podcast um, comedy Definitely. hopefully when it comes back yeah when, when it comes back and we'll uh, we'll see how that and if, it, if it's going away too long I'm going to probably start doing something on Zoom or Skype just to keep working through material because I'm sure some of you know it takes if you see somebody doing an hour it may have taken them six months or a year to get that one hour's worth of decent jokes I've heard a lot of the comedian podcasts like Burt Kreischer Bill Bill Burr Joe Rogan all that it's um I, I like hearing the behind the scenes stuff of comedians and all that stuff and seeing never understanding just like you said how hard and how long it can take just for someone to get an hour's worth of material yeah that's crazy there are people that have won last comic standing and couldn't tour right away because they had literally just gotten discovered and they didn't have an hour for the material yet because they're they were that fresh into the business or they used all their good material on the show that oh too. dang that, that's a good point what's the longest set you've ever done uh 40 minutes and i Ooh. wasn't scheduled to do 40 minutes the headliner <laughs> did not show oh and I dang the entire show and so i ended up <laughs> ended up doing the headliner's time also i'm not even gonna tell you it was all funny because again i had no <laughs> plans to do 40 minutes it just oh, uh, dang didn't call, didn't write, didn't apologize later, just didn't show up. <laughs> oh, have you ever met any, have you met any famous comedians or anything? Uh yeah, I did a comic view audition which I didn't make it, but turns out that uh Steve Harvey was at the club and you know, if you were willing to take it, he would tell you what was wrong with your set, you know. So oh, it, was, it was a great experience. And he shared one of his stories where basically like we talked about. He had just uh he had just he did an HBO special and uh, he was great, you know, got paid well. Then he goes out, and he's on the road doing a set, and nobody is laughing. And after about four or five minutes of nobody laughing, somebody stands with, look, Steve, we all love your comedy. We all watch your HBO special. Ain't you got any new jokes? And no, because he never had an HBO special before. Didn't realize he had to write all new jokes now. 
Because everybody had heard all the other jokes he had. Oh, that's true. That's true. Which if you've never done a TV special before, you probably don't know that. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. That's awesome. Has there been anyone else that you've met? Oh, <clears throat> let me see. Uh, if you know Paul Varghese, who was on Last Comic Standing, uh, and he works primarily out of the Dallas area, done a lot done a lot of uh, events with him. Um, I feel bad. Oh, I actually met Louis Black, and that wasn't stand-up. I just happened to be on vacation in Vegas and saw Louis Black sitting at the buffet. And just went up to him, and I didn't even tell him I was a comedian. I just wanted to, you know, just talk to him and get a picture with him, basically. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Because as he says in his act, uh, his people are Jewish. They hunt buffets, and yeah, I actually did <laughs> at a buffet. So he's truth in comedy right there. So you you brought up um, Brainstorm Brewery. You know Jason Alt. He's a comedian, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, that that that'd be funny. Uh, you two do like a little magic comedy special so I don't know <laughs> me and DeQuad joked about doing like if when he, if he gets around to coming to Dallas for whenever we start having events again taking him to the taking him to the local comedy club be like hey we got a whole whole magic theme set what's the deal with Oko <laughs> and get like one person laughing or something oh, yeah exactly there'd be there'd be two nerds in the back of the room going man this is lit and other people going yeah, like what the hell are they talking about this is the funniest stuff they've ever heard <laughs> oh my god, that'd be hilarious. Al Franken calls that metal shop comedy because I think he actually got booked to do a metal convention, so he had to write a bunch of jokes for people that work in metal shops that he knew he would never use any of these jokes oh, wow. ever again, but you had to work this gig and you had to get paid. That's that's crazy. That's awesome though. That's awesome. Um well it's getting a little bit late on my side here. Um, I just want to thank you both for coming on. It's been past two hours since we recorded, and it feels like it's flown by. Um, talked, I felt like we got some good talking done and talked about some good hard issues and some fun stuff as well, too. Um, where can people both find you at if they want to reach out and you know follow you on the social medias and your podcast and all that? Uh, you can always find me at Power Dragon on just about everything. That's P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. Or you can catch me streaming, if you want, on Twitch, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, 9 p.m. to midnight Pacific time. But yeah, if you look up Power Dragon on pretty much all the social platforms, Twitch, YouTube, I'll pop up. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I am a DL Caesar on Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. And I also have a family-oriented channel, and that is Alan's Ever After. It's about, and unlike Daquan, I don't have a really set Twitch schedule yet, but definitely stop by. And... <laughs> That's awesome. So, and, and what about the uh, Color of Magic podcast? Where can people find that? Yeah, you can just go to colorofmtg.com. Uh, however, if you want to just look it up on wherever you download your podcast, we're on pretty much everything, but I think SoundCloud, everything else, you can get it. So iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout. Is it on Spotify? Google Play. Yep, it's on Spotify. All right, awesome. I think even iHeartRadio, we have the RSS feed going over there. It's like you can get yeah, it almost everywhere. Uh, it, once you put it in one place, it's everyone starts grabbing it. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you both for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, and thanks. Uh, have a great night, you two. Yeah, no problem, dude. Thanks for having us. All right, thank you. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's episode. I hope you all really enjoyed it and hope you really enjoyed the episode. Uh, the first hour was definitely where we talked about some hard stuff there. And then second hour was more some more fun stuff, you know, magic and baseball and fantasy sports and, you know, what have you. So it was overall a really good episode. I really love talking with those two guys. It's, I, I had to cut it off at two hours because I, I felt like we could have just kept on going on and on and on. But. You know, sometimes three-hour podcasts are not always the best, and you know, two hours was a good, good, good stopping point. Felt it was a good stopping point. But I thank thank you both, Daquan and Brian, for coming on. A really great time having you on the show, and yeah, definitely go check them out if you haven't already. Um, if you're already not following them or listening to their content, they make some good stuff. And yeah, so th- thank you both for coming on, and and thank you all for listening and watching, and have a great night. All right.